0: The GameCube was cool. Hosted by
1: Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Mike, we're getting hit with the storm of the century right now. I'm a little bit nervous. Uh, Although, I can't be nervous because on episode, like, four, I said if you're scared of storms in Ontario, you're either six years old or a dog. (laughs) Are you scared of this storm? You said you just got hit with some wind. Are you okay? just got hit
2: with some wind. Yeah. I mean, being inside, I'm okay. You can be scared of a storm
1: if you're outside. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was just driving through it. So that was scary. Like just a little bit of a whiteout in the wind. Like there were milk crates all over the place. Not sure what what that means, but there's some milk that went missing or something. I don't know.
2: It's like uh, the worst picture that I've ever seen in my life is all these cars underneath an overpass waiting for a storm (laughs) to pass. That is, like, so infuriating. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that was because of a lightning storm. And uh, in, in a car, you're you're pretty much safest in a storm in a car, unless there's mad winds
2: like yep. right now. That is literally the safest spot you can be. Is and if you're
1: under about. an underpass, you're now increasing the danger of being in a car by 1,000%, because if that underpass collapses, <laughs> yeah. your car's not going to do dick.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's And also, you're, like, completely ruining it for everyone else on the highway. Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Mm -hmm. like can you imagine being behind i i would be so infuriated if i was behind those cars yeah i'm picturing the photo that you
1: you're you're referencing and i think that they the the idiots underneath the underpass were (laughs) smart and nice enough to uh to leave one lane for anybody willing to go (laughs) on through the storm in their vehicle some some people sometimes man anyway mike today's a big or this week is a big week it's we're celebrating the 19th anniversary of the gamecube
3: Happy oh, birthday, oh
2: GameCube! happy birthday to the GameCube, November eighteenth, two thousand two mm-hmm. or two thousand one. sorry. you Yep, that's math. Yeah. <laughs> that's math. And also, uh, happy eighteenth birthday to Nightfire. Been uh, I can't
1: believe eighteen years have, has gone by, or nineteen years has gone by. You're throwing me off too. Uh, nineteen in years. Ontario,
2: you can drink. So yep. as at nineteen, so the GameCube is a legal uh, drinking age in Ontario. Yep, it can now vote, uh, buy lottery tickets, drive, smoke
1: cigarettes, buy alcohol. Uh, that's pretty much it, right? I mean, its car insurance will go down in six more years, so that's good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's... the GameCube does have pretty hefty car insurance.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, look at it. It's just like, it's not aerodynamic. There's no seatbelts. Like, what are you doing? It doesn't have a door. <laughs> it's got a door. It has a, it has a hinge. <laughs> no doors? I'm going to fight that one. <laughs> um, Mike, I was reading the uh, the GameCube anthology book, of course, the book that we referenced in the, uh, the last episode. I learned something kind of interesting about the GameCube is that uh, most fans now know that the GameCube was codenamed The Dolphin mm-hmm. before it came out. Did you know that there was a codename before The Dolphin? Codename before The Codename. Co- yes, it's Inception. Uh, the codename before the Dolphin was called the N2000.
2: Ah, because it was probably yeah. being developed in 2000, I guess. I don't know.
1: No, no, it was first announced in 99, and I guess they were being very ambitious, and they wanted it to come out around the time as the PS2, which was 2000.
2: I mean, at that time, too, I think everyone used 2000 oh, in yeah. their wordings. Like That was the big thing at that time. Yeah. It's like the the GameCube 2000, like Fantasia 2000, you know, all these media things that, that had 2000 on the <laughs> end of it.
1: Yeah, like every album, I think, at 2002.
2: My parents wanted to name change my name to N2000. Did you know that? You know what? I like that. I think after yeah. seven years uh, with the name Neil, I think it was it's a time to rebrand yourself. It was
1: definitely time. And then 20 years from then, they would have thought, well, this was a good idea. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, but no, happy 19th birthday, GameCube. We love you, and we're looking forward to 19 more. Uh, you're obviously not releasing any more games or peripherals, which is sad, but we have lots more time to, uh, to uncover those games, which we're doing on this podcast every week. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Mike, I was thinking in the shower the other day just about uh, dentists. We've had this conversation before, you and I in private, but I think it's time to put it in podcast form. Do you think companies like Colgate and Crest, do you think like when they invite dentists out to test their brand, they get pissed when like they have to say now nine out of 10 dentists agree with this product and the one like
2: just, just didn't think that their product was good? I always wonder like who is the one, you know, because Me clearly too. these these people are getting paid. Like, you mm-hmm. know, let's let's not like beat around the bush here. Like Colgate is mm-hmm. shelling out, you know, like thousands of dollars. For these dentists to be like please say that our you know our, our product is good and that that goes for any product really right mm-hmm. to have like one guy you just gonna be like or just one person be like you know what no like i this brush <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> sucks you know i'm 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 gonna take a stand here yeah
1: i i don't know like i just feel like as a marketing if i if i was in i'm in marketing and if i invited like 10 dentists which is already a tough thing to do like invite 10 dentists to get together and like try out this spin brush and then like nine of them are like, great product, you know, prevents gingivitis, good for your teeth, good for your gums, good for the animal. And then this one dentist just shaking their head off to the side, smoking a cigarette, like, no, this, this, this brush sucks, man. <laughs> I, can't, I can't give it my thumbs up. And now they have to say in their commercials, nine out of 10 dentists, as they look at the one that's just like, <laughs> not a good, not a good product. Not, a good, not product. a good product. I've had two dentists in my life, one when I was a kid and one now as an adult. Both dentists there have all told me the exact same thing, you know, brush twice a day, floss every day. I just can't wait to get to a dentist that tells me like not to do either of those <laughs> things because he's the one dentist that's like never floss. That's that's bad. Don't floss. I, I highly recommend you do not. Oh, floss I love I time.
2: love I love the radical dentists or just radical doctors like radical <laughs> it kind of it kind of brings me back to something that I I learned a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I was friends with this woman. She's a doctor. And I remember talking to her about about just work and everything. And she would kind of explain how she was, you know, angry at something or someone did something stupid at work. Sure. And then one time she was just explaining something with like, with a doctor and like, or with a fellow doctor and just like them arguing. And it kind of clicked to me that I was like, oh wow. Like everyone has people in their lives, like in their jobs that are bad at their jobs. It's not just office work. It's everywhere. Even doctors are bad at their jobs. Yeah. Like some of them are. Yeah. Like trades, like even in,
1: like, like art, like artists, like there are artists that hate other artists in like, ev- yeah, you're right everywhere. Like everywhere you work, if it's part time, if you're making 10 bucks an hour, you're making a hundred thousand dollars in like a, a year, you're going to find people that just suck. Yeah. Like yeah. they're everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's so, even when you're not getting paid, like if you're in like a, <laughs> like you and I were in that sports league this year with softball, like there were some people there that just suck. Like, and it's meant to be fun yeah it's it doesn't matter where you are but yeah you will find even with doctors apparently too that's good to know that uh i'm glad i didn't waste my time 10 years in school to to avoid uh being in an office where (laughs) somebody's gonna i don't know use up all the coffee and then not refill it or
2: something (laughs) it's just funny because like as as a as a i guess consumer you could say but just like as like a normal person who's not a a consumer of doctors (laughs) consumer of doctors uh of of many doctors that i shop for Mm -hmm. you you just you you go in with an inherent belief that the doctor is going to be the best possible person you can get for the job but then you you realize as you get older and as you you know as you work in different industries you Mm -hmm. find that you're like oh wow like 9 out of 10 doctors are competent. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's, it's true though. Like it has, to, like just, I mean, like when you think about people, just like take a hundred people, everyday Joes, like one or two of those people are going to suck at just everything <laughs> and they're going to be assholes. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. So yeah, those people have to end up in every single profession, apparently. Yeah. And some of them, doctors.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would assume that the percentage is lower for doctors considering the amount of schooling that you have to go through and...
1: I feel like that weeds them out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The the... (laughs) six-figure tuition fees, yeah.
2: I think that's the whole thing is that you have to do 10 years of this and then maybe.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then maybe. I mean, even then, like, we just talked about dentists, like one out of every 10, like not to say they're a bad dentist, but just like they don't agree with what everyone else agrees with. Yeah, yeah. So, and those nine dentists must hate the one dentist that didn't think that that one brand of toothbrush is no good. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> anyway, uh, Mike, you and I are huge fans of the punk band Bad Religion, right? No. No, absolutely despise it. Okay, so <laughs> what, what are you, you talking asked? about? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. i like to just let you know. Okay, so we're both huge fans of this punk band Bad Religion from the 80s, 90s. Uh, Have you ever seen the live version of when they play Generator, the song? No. Okay, so there's like this moment where Greg, the lead singer, is singing the song with no instrument in the background, right? It's really beautiful. And then right at the chorus, uh, it kicks in and it's high high energy like a regular Bad Religion show. What I learned was that he was singing with no instruments because their equipment wasn't working.
2: Oh, my God. I love when I learn stuff
1: like that. Yeah, I learned it in the book that my girlfriend got me. Uh, Do what you want by uh, it's the Bad Religion biography. It's fantastic. It's really good. Um, but yeah, I learned just like this one video that I've watched several times in the last ten years as I've been a fan, and uh, that video gives me chills just because it's so good. But I didn't know that it, he was singing that because he just didn't want to wait for the uh, the text <laughs> to figure out the amps, and it came in at the right time. Wow. That's so funny. Right at the chorus when it picked up. But just a little fun fact. If uh, if listeners haven't heard of the band Bad Religion, I highly recommend looking them up. They have like 19 albums now or 17 albums and uh, varying quality. But uh, there's some good ones out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely check them out. Mike, last topic. We have results from our cutlery poll from, from last week. We asked the listeners on Instagram if they could uh, vote and let us know if they placed their cutlery face up or face down in the drain rack. I'm not happy with the results, Mike. It was a 50-50 split. <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm really, I'm really upset about that. <laughs> uh, that doesn't give me any data. I can't work with this anymore. But I did get a lot of like actual feedback from, from folks who, who DM'd me and said like psychopaths put everything face down. But hey, <laughs> apparently 50% of people put everything face down. We're just the vocal or we're, we're the silent equal, not majority, but we're just silent, <laughs> silent about equal. it.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I also kind of did my own straw polling, uh, just talking to people that I knew who I guess had or had not filled out the poll. From what I gathered is a lot of people did the forks and spoons up uh, and knife, sharp knives down. Sure. Uh, That's uh, that's how I do it as well. But um, you know what? Uh, Clearly everyone else is animals and uh, we're going to have to uh, figure this out next time. We'll do we'll do this poll again in the future. Yeah, we'll do the poll again when we have more listeners.
1: But until then, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 27 of the GameCube is Cool podcasts. We have new episodes every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other podcast services, as well as YouTube. Please rate the show, leave us reviews, positive or negative. We will read them on this podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at the GameCube pod. If you run a recognized media outlet, please write an article about us so we can become legit and have a Wikipedia page. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 500 Fifty-five North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes twelve by twelve. Last week we covered Spider-Man One, Spider-Man Two, and Ultimate Spider-Man. It was a great episode. If you haven't uh, listened to it yet, go and check it out, and uh, come back to this episode. We are covering the crown jewel, James Bond, 007 Nightfire. Yeah. Hmm.
2: That's right. (laughs) That's right, folks. This is the crown jewel of the GameCube for Neil and I. This is 007 Nightfire, one of the greatest games ever made. I think the greatest shooter ever made uh, Mm -hmm. coming out exactly 18 years ago. Mm -hmm. To this day. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, this game, I cannot wait to talk about it on this
1: episode. Mike, you and I have played this game for probably hundreds, if not thousands of hours. Multiplayer uh, campaign, everything. We've done all the multiplayer modes. We unlock all the things. We love playing as all the characters. Yeah before we jump into talking about 007 Nightfire, i just want to quickly do a brief overview of just james bond as a franchise as a video game franchise from the 90s specifically and early 2000s so mm-hmm. in the year 2020 uh, we're getting pretty old the first james bond game was 1982 but from between 1982 and now there are 29 total james bond games uh, they range from good to great uh, to very bad, depending on where you're playing them.
2: But uh, Very bad for a lot of them. <laughs> very bad for a
1: lot of them, yeah. But the, the era of James Bond games that we're talking about today is mostly going to be the EA era. Obviously, one game. EA, uh, Nightfire published the game. So in 1999, Electronic Arts bought the video game rights to James Bond. Later on, seven years later, in 2006, Activision purchased the James Bond license, where most people don't really consider the 2006 to 2013 era of Bond games particularly good. Uh, Currently, in the year 2020, nobody owns the James Bond license for video games, so it's pretty much up in the air as to what will happen with James Bond as a video game franchise. We haven't seen a new James Bond game in almost seven years now, so it's pretty quiet Mm -hmm. on that front. We're getting new movies still, though, so it's still a franchise that exists today in some format. But anyway, let's just dive right into talking about 007 Nightfire, which was released on November 18th, 2002. Happy 18th birthday. It was developed by Eurocom Entertainment, published by Electronic Arts Platform. It's on the PS2, Xbox, PC, and it was later on ported to the Game Boy Advance, which I'm really excited to talk about a bit later. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rated, uh, according to the GameCube anthology book, four out of five stars. Priced today at about $30. So it's fairly affordable for a fantastic
2: shooter, which you and I both love. Mm -hmm. And and it often gets pretty good ratings, I, I noticed, like through Metacritic or other rating systems. And I've noticed that its ratings have gone up. Uh, mm-hmm. Since I I, there's, mm-hmm. I always see a lot of retrospect reviews, I, I should say, on Nightfire, and uh, it's it's a quite a lasting game, weirdly.
1: Yeah, as, as in terms of James Bond, I mean, most people when you talk to j- people about James Bond games, they they say Goldeneye. That's obviously the one everybody goes to, and obviously yes, Goldeneye is a trendsetter for shooters. We wouldn't have games like Call of Duty or Halo today without it. But personally, Mike, you and I would both agree on this. Nightfire does everything better than Goldeneye does. That's right. Yeah,
2: and we'll talk about that later when we have uh, some of our lovely guests on mm-hmm. the episode to uh, to agree with us more on on that <laughs> subject, or maybe or uh, fight us uh, on it. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I guess I guess let's let's just talk about our experience together playing this game. Sure. Uh Obviously, this is the game that you and I really bonded over mm-hmm. when we were kids. Uh, I remember playing this game. I really didn't have any shooters before. I don't think I uh, really played shooters other than maybe a maybe Medal of Honor, I think, at some friends' houses. Sure. And uh this game I think just took it to a different level for me because I knew I knew James Bond, like I knew of James Bond. And so that kind of gave it a bit of, you know, background. I know this character, I can get into it more where Medal of Honor is just, you know, kind of random soldiers. Yeah. For me, I just found how easy it was to play this, to pick up and play uh where a lot of these games at this time had these long tutorial levels. Mm-hmm. Playing this with friends was such a seamless experience, seamless multiplayer experience for couch co-op that I had never seen before. Yeah. You usually just had like um, like a two-player deathmatch kind of going on for, for these games. Right. Uh, and I know, mm-hmm. obviously, GoldenEye did the four-player split screen. It didn't have bots, right? There was no bots that you could put in.
1: No. No, GoldenEye, you had to play with three other yeah. friends or one other person, which wasn't <laughs> Yeah, defined. exactly.
2: So that that was that was a huge thing for me that really opened my mind up to the games in general was the fact that you can have these AI bots, which we used to call all bots. I don't know if you remember.
1: I do. And I, that was unironic, <laughs> too, because I used to think that I didn't know what an AI... In 2003, I got this game. I didn't know what an AI bot meant. No, just that that term was not in our vocabulary yet. So it makes sense, you know, capital A and then a lowercase L. It's an all-bot. Yeah. (laughs) That that was a legitimate thing that we thought was
2: real. Yeah, for years. For years. And I we
1: say it ironically. And now we say it like, oh, let's play some with some (laughs) all-bots.
2: Put some all-bots on. Yeah. I think you kind of, you were, I
1: mean, dancing around the concept. But I think that the way I would use, the one word I would use to describe this game is smart. Like you just, you start the game up and you automatically know what to do. The menu system is really good. Like, you know, when you're setting up multiplayer, it's really easy to figure out what to do to set up the AI bots to pick your... To pick your map, to pick your modes, to pick your characters, like it, the flow is so good. I guess that would be UX design, Mike. You know that better than yeah, me. Yeah, it's the
2: user experience of it. Yeah, it's the UX for sure. Yeah. Is really good on this, and and it it feels really nice. It's it's actually a lot similar. Um, friend of the show Nathaniel talked about this on the melee episode, mm-hmm. and uh, it's that's what I always kind of go back to is that the Nightfires menu system is very similar to melee's. It you know, is very very smooth, very like. Um, Mm-hmm. emphatic almost when you're clicking things it, it was uh you know a lot of these menu systems in the early 2000s were really clunky yes and and just so over graphically done you know because this was a time that you finally have room on these systems to to just do whatever you want as an artist or a designer mm-hmm. and um and you know people took that way too far like you think like the tony hawk games yeah it works well, obviously. The, the the experience, the UX is there, but the the UI, like the the interface part of it, was was just so messy, so clunky. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, this game kind of brought shooter menus into the next generation. I think like this isn't the first James Bond game to come out on this uh, on this system. There was a Agent Underfire, which we'll talk about in a later episode. We're going to do another James Bond episode in the future. We should probably say that with the other James Bond games, we just want to put a spotlight on Nightfire, which we think is the best.
2: Bond game shooter game one of the best games on the consoles but no we were ga- supposed to do uh, James Bond right before this but then a pandemic happened and cancel <laughs> or and postponed the new James Bond movie so <laughs> right so you're gonna
1: get us gushing about one of our favorite games of all time instead which I think is a pretty good substitute. I think so
2: I think that the reason why
1: this game works so well is that it, it was developed and produced like a movie so the, the game starts out where you know it says EA games challenge everything and then it cuts into a bond song which is just like every, before every movie you know you have Adele singing Skyfall or Paul McCartney singing live and let die um, this game starts off with a completely original song to the game since the game is an original story it's not based on a movie or a book Actually, the first Bond game to feature an original song. The song's called Nearly Civilized. You were actually playing it at the beginning of the episode. It's by an artist named uh, Esthero, just Esthero. sorry, one name, like Cher. She's Canadian-born singer from Stratford, Ontario.
2: Oh, Stratford. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. So cool. She's basically Justin Bieber, is what you're saying.
1: Pretty much, yeah. Or or us, like we record from Ontario as well.
2: Well, I mean, he's from Stratford too, right? That's so. true.
1: But I mean, yeah. I like to think I, that we've heard more this song <laughs> more often than any Justin Bieber songs.
2: One hundred percent, we have. I mean, yes. <laughs> so I I always thought. I mean, I know now, um, but when I was a kid, I always saw it was Evanescence singing this song. Oh wow, really? Because yeah, I don't know. It's it seems like an Evanescence song, you know, very much in that era too of wake me up inside or bring me
1: to life yeah yeah, that, yeah. that's the era though of that daredevil movie like that's definitely yeah,
2: well daredevil is literally 2002 so
1: oh wow okay yeah not as, not <laughs> as good a movie as this is a game that's for sure <laughs> yeah. it is not evanescence it is estero
2: that's that's a really good way to, to describe it is that it, it the entire game feels like you're playing in a movie mm-hmm. and I had never experienced something like that before They played this game. Like that's, like you you hit it on the head right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the cutscenes
1: like just it, everything works so smoothly and they weren't working from a movie script, which I think helped with this game. They used Pierce Brosnan's likeness, obviously, but uh, it's not based on a movie that he was in. So they didn't like Spider-Man 2, how we said, you know, the story beats felt shoehorned in. That was because they received the script late. That didn't happen in this game because they got to work everything from the ground up, which obviously worked to their advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cutscenes were, you know, the writing was good. the voice acting was great. Everything looked good. It's smooth. There's not not a lot of frame rate issues. Just my early memories of the game before we jump into our callers. Um, I got this game Christmas of two thousand and three, so I had just received my Gamecube. I remember I got Nightfire and I got Medal of Honor Frontline, I think mm-hmm. is the subtitle of that one. We played that game at my house a lot as well. yeah, we did. yeah. but but Nightfire was definitely the my preferred game to play that Christmas. Uh, I remember hooking it up Christmas morning popping it in and just, I, I said out loud to my brother who we were playing with together, he said, or I said, uh, I, man, graphics are never going to get better than this. <laughs> <laughs> and they never did. They never no, they did. never did. It. Games plateaued in 2003 or 2002. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And, and since then it just, uh, something about it, man, like you and I go back to it every time we or almost every time we hang out, we introduce new friends to it. We played it in high school when everyone was playing call of duty for some reason, just this game just kept sticking with us. We, we tried different modes to make it harder, easier, different weapon sets. There's just so many possibilities you can do with it. I've played through the campaign at this point maybe four times, and it, it's a lot of fun. I love the campaign that you can beat it so quickly. You only have four times? Wow. Yeah, not much. I'm old, I'm mostly just a multiplayer guy, man. Yeah, like, I just fair. love playing the multiplayer with you. We got really good at playing
2: uh, Fort Knox, Capture the Flag. Oh, my God. Yeah, we can do that with our eyes closed. I'm actually pretty confident I could play Fort Knox literally blindfolded. And get mm-hmm. the flag. I, I I would say like 99% sure I could do that.
1: Probably. I mean, like you and I have a really good system going now where I protect the flag. I'm like the goalie and you're like the star forward. You go out and get their flag and bring it back. <laughs> while I'm just like shooting down odd job, like with with my sniper rifle. But yeah. Grapple, baby. Uh, grapple. grapple bit, mm, all day. But yeah, you and me capture the flag, Fort Knox, sniping or Phoenix weapons with uh, six enemy bots. And maybe we'll have one AI bot on our side sometimes. That's the way to go. That's our basic setup.
2: <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you got to have have uh, have knickknack. On, uh, mm-hmm. on your team, you know, to just go around so no one can hit him because he's too small.
1: Yeah. And they need a target to chase after while, <laughs> while you're trying to sneak the flag out.
2: <laughs> uh, but yeah. So we got Jason now coming on the line here. Oh. And Jason, we just said knickknack and we love knickknack. Uh, mm-hmm. But who's your favorite character in Nightfire?
0: Uh well, Oddjob is hands down the best character, but Knickknack is the funniest character because a lot of people train to shoot at Oddjob, <laughs> and Knickknack is about a head smaller, and so
2: to throw people off, you go with that. See, I I that's like one of my favorite things is like playing Knickknack because you can just run around and and people just aren't used to shooting down. Like it's such a weird mechanic.
0: It's uh it's like the monkey in Time Splitters. It's hilarious. <laughs> no one's prepped for it's it. True.
2: Yeah, it's uh I mean we were actually talking about how you know Time Splitters is probably one of the closest games to Nightfire in terms of the multiplayer and just the whole kind of aesthetic of the game. Something that Time Splitters brought
0: out which I didn't see in a shooter beforehand and Nightfire has as well is like the elimination mode where instead of deathmatch it's uh, you get a number of lives and the game only ends when there's a single player remaining. Yeah,
2: top agent. Yeah, that's a
0: yeah, yeah, Top Agent. Uh, so I hadn't experienced that before Time Splitters, and so I agree with you that it's probably one of the most similar games I could think of to Nightfire.
2: Yeah, it's it's pretty cool, like the fact that Nightfire. I mean, we're gonna be talking about this a lot, but like, there's so much stuff in Nightfire multiplayer. Like, there's so many modes. There's uh, Top Agent, like you just said. There's the assassination mode, which is uh, where you know someone is the assassin and someone is the target. And I think it's you get five points if you're the assassin who kills the target and you get three points if you're the target kills the assassin. Uh, I always mm-hmm. like that's the one that I've never seen in any game before. Uh, there's the King of the Hill, uh, which is pretty standard in Team Deathmatch. Uh, there's Team King of the Hill as well. Oh, yeah, capture the flag, obviously. Capture the
1: flag. There's Team Arena and just Arena. Yeah. 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 The free for all.
2: Everyone knows the best mode is just play
1: Skyrail and
2: shoot
0: Sentinel rockets across the map at each other. <laughs>
2: yep. and just keep hiding in in each other's bases like one is in yeah. the Phoenix base, well, one is in the MI6 base. Yeah, and you have to
0: be able to turn corners. It's it's, it's impressive when you can do it.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's it's true though.
1: You look at the like the catalog of multiplayer modes and just different characters you can play as and different things you can do with it. You can do different weapon sets, you can add fixed gun emplacements, you can do helicopters, tanks, all that stuff. It's, it's hard to look at, the, like, what you have as options and ask for anything more. Like, there's no dating yeah. sim in this game. That's kind of the only thing I can think of that I want. <laughs> <laughs> there's no James Bond dating sim mode. But, like, I, we were just talking off mic, I think it was, and it was just like, what what's something that's missing from this multiplayer mode? And the only thing we could come up with is there's no AI bots in, uh, in Ravine yeah. for some reason. It must have just been a technical limitation. But, like, every weapon set is there. You can play as any character. You can play with just grenades if you want to. You can play, you know, hand combat. Like... Every combination is there. Like, you can definitely, if you have a younger cousin coming over, you can make the AI bots easier. You can make them harder. You can make them violent. Like, it's really crazy the level of customization in this game that there is just head and shoulders above goldeneye i don't know why goldeneye is always preferred it makes no sense to me Rose tinted glasses mike is the no
0: ai in ravine better than the ai in skyrail just randomly walking into mountains no. For no reason?
1: <laughs> yes, <not>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the polar opposites where on the one hand we have no ai bots on this level we have ai bots but they keep there's something magnetized about these mountains that they just keep getting stuck <laughs> they
2: love for some those reason. mountains
0: yeah to, to your point about goldeneye i, I think it's just because it was first you know people have nostalgia like i have nostalgia for nightfire now that it's you know 20 years old 18 something like that uh i agree with you it's a better game than goldeneye and it took what made goldeneye great and made it better uh mainly because you don't have the annoying uh quadruple c buttons (laughs) uh and the (laughs)
1: The weird handling of the N64 controller, it, it, it really helps. Well, I have three hands, so it's okay for me. I, I, <laughs> I Clearly, the majority of the internet have three hands, and I don't, so that must have been the issue for me. I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess that was good for you then, but the gaming
0: industry has really taken your, uh, your strengths away from you, I think.
1: Oh, quite, quite a bit. Quite
0: a
3: bit, yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think, like, I mean, you know, we might as well just dive head into this topic of the fact of GoldenEye versus Nightfire. Okay. With Nightfire, you know, you have to remember. So, Nightfire comes out only six years after GoldenEye the game, actually less than six years, technically. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's not a lot of time in the gaming industry. You know, for context, Last of Us 2 came out seven years after Last of Us 1, Red Dead coming out uh, nine years after the original Red Dead. So, like five and a half years, that's not a long time. And, Playing these two games, you know, back to back is just a massive world of difference. It feels like you're playing in completely different generations. Well, what's crazy is
0: I, I know you're talking about Goldeneye, but Agent Under Fire came out several months before Nightfire, and Nightfire also blows it out of the water, graphics-wise, play-wise. I don't even understand how. That's a great.
2: That's a great point. Yeah, like the Agent Under Fire is, uh, it's an okay game, but yeah, like you said, it, it the graphics are just. It, it looks like N64 graphics. They look. Yeah. Very low quality. And then you have Nightfire coming out. And like Neil said early on in the episode, graphics will never get better than this. Yeah. That, that. Yes, I,
0: I was here for that part. I know exactly
1: what you're
0: <laughs> Yes, you've been here the whole time.
1: No, Agent Underfire, you mentioned Agent Underfire. What a lot of people don't know is that Nightfire is actually a sequel to that game. It's a direct sequel. It's the only video game in the James Bond universe. It's the only James Bond game that's a sequel to another James Bond game, both of which are not based on a movie or a book. So Ah. there's actually Easter eggs to Agent Underfire in Nightfire, um, which you can find. I did not know that. Yeah, but I think that the the reason why GoldenEye is considered the best game is because this is when people stop playing James Bond games. I really do believe that. I think that... People, pl- people bought and played GoldenEye to death on the N64, and it's a beloved game, no doubt about it. But then GoldenEye came out. Uh, Tomorrow Never Dies was a game it wasn't on N64. The World is Not Enough was the game that was on N64 that sold relatively well because everyone played GoldenEye. It wasn't very good. They also made games on PlayStation, like The World is Not Enough. They made 007 Racing. I'm just going to let that sink in. What? Then they made—it's <laughs> it's not a racing game. It's a James Bond game, but you can't leave your car, so it's all car missions wasn't great. I think it was okay. It was just weird. Then they made So it's Star Fox on 64. Basically, but that that's a good game. Um <laughs> then they made uh, 007 Agent Under Fire, which again was okay, not GoldenEye 2. So I think at this point from 97 until 2001, we've seen James Bond games, another five or six James Bond games come out that weren't great. I think people just stopped playing them after that. They thought, "Okay, GoldenEye's it. I'm just going to play this, and then I'm either going to stop playing James Bond games or I'm going to give up gaming altogether." Um, (laughs) but, and then I don't, I just don't think people picked up Nightfire. They didn't pick up everything or nothing, which are both really good James Bond games. And then after that, the quality just dipped again. So I think it's almost like the melee argument where people played James Bond, Double O Seven O7 golden eye, which is like the melee. And then new games came out, but that James Bond audience just kept saying, no, we're just going to keep not playing golden eye. We're just going to keep remembering golden eye more than these games are. So a bit bit like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the issue.
2: Melee is still very playable though. Today, where GoldenEye is not. That's that's the that's right. the difference. Right? Yeah, the difference
1: is that people st- yeah people still play melee, whereas in this case, people refuse to play anything else. They just gonna they're just gonna remember GoldenEye. <laughs>
2: yes. Yeah.
0: Well, what's funny to me is I was gonna say like maybe an argument and uh, maybe a reason for why GoldenEye is thought of so fondly is because it was the best shooter basically on N64. But then I remembered that Perfect Dark exists and was way better in my <laughs> right. We actually made by the and, same people too yeah
1: yeah made by rare and we actually got when we put our poll out on instagram about what's better goldeneye or uh nightfire one a friend of the show Gamepunks, game punks they they responded by saying perfect dark <laughs> which is like <laughs> it's true that is like the the dark the dark horse but it is like the better game of i don't think it's better than nightfire i still prefer nightfire but it is better than goldeneye for sure objectively yeah. it is
0: well they have a rail gun so they're disqualified <laughs> but they're better than goldeneye at least yeah. <laughs> exactly one thing I was going to say is what separates Nightfire from things like that is, like, Die Another Day, what, he drives an invisible car, I think was in that movie? Yes. Correct me if I'm That's wrong, right. but oh my god. At least Nightfire was somewhat grounded, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, the
2: plot was was actually pretty good, like, um, you know, and the characters were, were, were pretty well done, too, I think. It, it it mixed the zaniness of normal kind of, like, Roger Moore bond with like the you know subtlety of like the the kind of Goldeneye and a bit of the um a bit of the Sean Connery style too, mm-hmm. like they did a good job with with mixing Bonds, which is a really hard thing to do. Yeah. And uh, like I mean, you definitely get the Moonraker vibes with the end of of, of Nightfire. No, that's grounded in reality, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so let's just, just let's just kind of talk about the the missions uh, and like the single player bit here, Jason. So obviously. Nightfire is known for multiplayer more than anything, but, you know, what are your thoughts on the single-player missions?
0: Oh, I'm so glad you asked, and maybe this will make you glad you didn't have me on the Mario Sunshine (laughs) episode, but you have 12 12 missions, not too many, but they're each pretty lengthy, and they're all different. Yes. And it's so refreshing. You have escapes, you have rescues, you have, like, uh, you have driving that's not escapes, you have shootouts, you have stealth, Mm. you have whatever. Except Mario Sunshine, which I told to you is is the worst Mario game of all time. Fight me! <laughs> I don't care. It has three missions; they just recycle through the entire game, and
1: it is so awful to play. It's a good point. I mean, variety is the spice of life,
4: so it's true.
2: I, you're very, you're very right with with Nightfire. With like, like that is something that I I've rarely seen in a single player, especially a shooter where the campaign comes last uh you know like really like it's the last thing that gets made it's multiplayer that makes the Mm -hmm. money um the the usually these campaigns are so repetitive and even the good campaigns have you know doses of repetitiveness in them but uh nightfire yeah like you said like every level is different and that's why i know that a lot of people have very strong opinions on different levels in nightfire
0: and uh even for example the this the the uh the levels where you could do it stealthily you could also just kill everyone mm-hmm. yep. like you can it, it was a very early iteration of basically choose how you want to complete this game and it's not one of those stealth games where you know if you're alerted then you're dead like sort of maybe the later iterations of um, metal gear solid yeah the other thing i really uh, really liked about it is it uh, and i think neil alluded to this as well but it plays like a movie it it has its own theme music special to the game, which I don't really like, but it's there anyway. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it it actually seems like it could it's not a very difficult plot to understand, just mm-hmm. like typical madman stuff, no. but it you know, it has more it is
1: more complexity than Skyfall,
0: where it's just a guy wanting revenge.
1: But they even have they even have little moments in the game where when you do something cool, like something blows up or you drive the car through a wall, it does like that pan around and it does the dun 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 just like in the movies. And it shows the 007. But... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you do the bomb, exactly. He did the like when you go through the grapple hook and you knock a guy out. It does dun dun. It's just like like little audio cues like that that make it feel more like a movie. Makes you feel more like Spider Man. It's just such a cool thing to do <laughs> in, in the game. And I think it doesn't. The campaign doesn't overstay its welcome. Like I almost get exhausted when I hear that a first person campaign. Nowadays, it's like, yeah, it's 15 to 20 hours. It's like, okay, that's like five hours too long. Like, I think a 10-hour campaign in a first-person shooter is perfect. Get in, get out. Nightfire, I think, is about, what, seven hours? It takes you like six and a half to seven and a half hours to beat which is perfect. It's 12 missions, nine if you bought the PC version for whatever reason. They took out the driving, um, I almost said driving lessons. They took out the driving levels in the PC version. Um, But yeah, you're right. It's such a good, just like it takes you from a a break-in mission to an escape mission to a car mission to a stealth mission to, and it just keeps going just like a Bond film. It has chapters, which is really cool. My personal favorite level though is Chain Reaction, which I've never played a level like this in any other game before, which is when you're in like this docking area and it's morning, so it's like the sun is just coming up. It's a really cool lighting effect in, in the level. The shadows are pretty too. And your job is to, yeah. or your your objective, I guess, is to sneak through the entire dock area without being seen by the snipers up top on the cranes. And you have to kill the snipers when they're not looking. And then you also have to know where they are because if you go into their field of vision, you get caught
2: so hard really hard and it's yeah that's a hard Yeah, and it's not
1: like in modern day games now or like certain games where they'll kind of have like a flashlight or like you can see where they're looking in some way they have like a searchlight or something so you can tell where to look like you have to know where the guys in the towers are so you have to play the level multiple times and get killed to know where everyone is (laughs) and kill them take them all out so you can eventually just walk across the docks it's just such a cleverly designed level it's my favorite one by far
2: I did that yesterday. Nice. <laughs> I got platinum on it. Ooh, congratulations.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> In prep for this podcast?
2: Of course. <laughs> so, Jason, do you then have a favorite level that you'd like to talk about? Storming Drake's Castle. Oh, the sure. opening level? Yeah, the opening level is really, yeah. really good. Well, technically not the opening level, because there's the yeah, Paris the op- Prelude. The op- yeah, that one's okay. But yeah, that that's that's amazing. I love that one.
0: Mm-hmm. My favorite run through it was uh, I, I tried to do a stealth way around it, and I just limited myself to the uh, the taser keys and only <laughs> used that, and it was so much fun. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> I, I,
2: I could play that mission you know blindfolded. I've done that so many times. I've done it so many different ways, and that's like that's the best part about this game is that, like you said, you can do it whatever way you want. You can go in and you can just kill everyone in front of you. Uh, right. I mean, you're not going to get as good of a score if you're trying to get your, your platinum medals and everything, but uh, uh, it's so much more fun to like uh, hide out in the in the truck in the crates, get in that way, and then like come up underneath and just like uh, taser everyone. You can taser the the innocent people too, which is kind of fun to do. Yeah, that's
1: fun to do. <laughs> you
0: can roller coaster tycoon, or you just make
2: a custom roller coaster into a pool of yeah. water, <laughs> drown everyone. Exactly. <laughs> just want to see the world burn sometimes. So, so my my favorite then would have to be night shift which is that's the one where you're in the office building and it's only stealth. You can't shoot anyone. Oh, right. that's, yeah, yeah. that's by far my favorite level. You have to
1: knock people out, right? Like if you have yep. to give them a chokehold or something, or you stun them, you stun them. Right? You can
2: either stun them or you can just punch them in the face, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is my favorite thing to do. Cause you can do it while running. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I always do that. And it's funny cause it's like, Hey, someone's there. And I just like punch them out.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you also have to avoid like the cameras, right? The security cameras are looking too.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah. The security cameras are looking. Uh, it's I can I played that the other day. I can do that mission in under four minutes. Uh, nice. So maybe maybe I'll post that on Instagram. <laughs>
1: that's got a really cool ending to the level too, right? Because the uh, building spoilers for Nightfire, but the building gets uh the building gets like attacked by a helicopter, right? Yes. And then, yeah, that's a really cool ending to that level. It's really satisfying. And you can
2: take down the helicopters if you want to. Yep, it's just
0: kind of fun. I feel like if someone's listening to a podcast episode about Nightfire, they know it's going to be. Spoiler, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and you can and, uh, already tell how it's. Spoiler going to end. warning is. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. You're saying Bond lives? It's, it's mind
1: mind-boggling.
2: I know. <laughs> did did you ever did did you ever play Bond spacesuit on uh like when it was just multiplayer? I always like no. playing as Bond spacesuit. That was a fun why one. you're like the
1: biggest target. <laughs>
0: He, he seems to be the most overpowered bot if i remember correctly he, like, is. He, always, he is the most overpowered he's so powerful yeah
2: which i mean technically i, mean, I guess makes sense he's the last level yeah
0: yeah i mean when you're odd job no one's powerful but still
2: <laughs> yeah let's talk about odd job for a second uh so obviously odd job is most people's favorite character uh and the fact that you can like throw the hat when you played multiplayer it
0: was either everyone gets to be odd job or no one gets to be <laughs> odd job because the game was broken
2: I mean, yeah, obviously my cousins and I who we will have on soon in the show, uh, all three of us would would often play odd job and often just like play a round of hats only, which is. Something yeah. I, I was like that was what, something I wish that you could set as a mode was melee only, something that most games now have, but uh, at the time you couldn't do just only melee in uh, in Nightfire.
0: I mean, I think you could turn guns off, couldn't you? No, you
2: couldn't turn them off completely. You uh, could, you could have uh, explosives too, which is the handheld explosives only. <laughs> which that was a nightmare. So funny.
0: I was actually going to sp- uh, speak to this, yeah. Mike, about uh, one of our last experiences playing Nightfire together, and. <laughs> the most fun game was explosives only or power weapons or whatever it
2: was. But the problem is the game can't handle it. (laughs) It just lags like completely (laughs) on Phoenix base. Yeah. That is like the most fun ever. Oh my God. It's so much fun to play. (laughs) Cause yeah, the game just like is so close to just completely breaking. You can hear, you know, uh, one thing I love about old game consoles um, is just like hearing the console, you know, run the game and struggle and you know you'll hear the GameCube kind of just go, chuck, 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 you know, while it's <laughs> while it's going going through that level.
3: <laughs>
0: but yeah, we, we talked about it already. But the multiplayer gives the game like a very strong afterlife. People can keep coming back for the missions, and and Neil, like you said, it's it's a fairly short campaign, but that's all it needs to be, right? Because mm-hmm. it has so much variety with what it has that it really has withstood the test of time, and probably is still the best Bond game I've ever played. Probably one of the best shooters I've ever played. Yep. Yeah. Even now. Yeah. Hundred percent.
2: You're you're among friends here. We hundred <laughs> percent agree with with that statement. And uh, oh, I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah. think I think it's starting. I think Nightfire is is starting to get slowly starting to get more of a do. Uh, especially the older it gets, I think the more people will remember this fondly, go back and play it, and then remember how good it is and how well it holds up. I think that's what separates Nightfire from almost any shooter that was made in the early 2000s is the fact that you can go back to this and you can find new things that you'll enjoy, you know, where you you really, you can't go back to playing a Call of Duty game or a Medal of Honor game today mm. uh, because as soon as you go back to it, you'll be like, well, I, 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 want, I just want to play like Modern Warfare. I just want to play, you know, like a, a newer COD game at this point because why am I even here? You know, it doesn't offer me anything new. From that
0: generation of games, Nightfire, Melee, and Paper Mario Thousand-Year Door are, like, the only things I ever care to go back and do. Interesting. Every other game, you know, there's there's yeah, NHL Hits and Slugfest and the non, like, yeah. uh, story-focused games as well, but, uh, yeah, as far as a shooter goes, it's only Nightfire, really. I didn't really care for any other ones on the GameCube, really. Um... Yeah, even
1: even like we talked last, we we, we talked two weeks ago about uh, Metroid Prime. Like even going back to that one, y- you can get used to it. Like those controls are intuitive after a while. But Nightfire, you you pop it in and right away you know what to do. Like it's n- there's no curve. Like with with figuring out the GameCube controller and figuring out yeah this was 2002, um, it's it's just quick. Like like we've talked about before. There's so many different button mapping variations. Like you can set it up so that it's like you're playing Halo. It's or it's like you're playing a 2D game. So there's just there, there's no excuse that you should be able to pl- plug this game in right away in 2020 or any year, really, and and figure it out real quick.
0: I was going to say, even if you're wrong and don't use the Moonraker <laughs> controls, it, like, you could still find a configuration that's right for you. Yeah, but yeah exactly. Y-
2: you are wrong if you don't use the Moonraker controls. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason, is there anything else you'd like to talk about or add before we let you go?
0: I actually took notes before this, and I think I've gone over everything.
2: Nice, look oh, at you good. doing your research, getting doing your homework. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm not gonna half-ass a podcast. This is an honor. It's
2: an honor. <laughs> but
0: I'd like to say uh, hi, mom. Uh, I made it. I'm on the number one GameCube podcast, and I assume the
2: world. You heard
1: it from you heard it from someone other than me for the first time, folks.
2: <laughs> one last thing, I do want to ask you before I was paid <laughs> before you we send you off. Are there is there anything you don't like about the game? I just wanted to bring this up because, for me, the AI's sniping ability is something that always made me angry. What, how it's too good? <laughs> it's just way too good. Like, Wei Lin with a sniper rifle is done. You're immediately dead.
0: My biggest issue is that some bots are overpowered and some are idiots. Yes. And I would just, <laughs> you know, even if you're playing with, like, max difficulty and everything, like, if you could take the top, you know six bots let's say two of them will actually be good
2: yeah yeah
0: and that Mm -hmm. that'll be bond space suit and maybe not yakuza yakuza runs into a mountain ninja ninja is really good ninja yeah ninja yeah Uh,
2: wait a waitland is pretty good for the for the for the blues uh but everyone else on mi6 is pretty bad i would say uh and i mean like you you can obviously adjust their difficulty but uh yeah it's it, the no but even on
0: top difficult i know like yeah. space suit maybe in. definitely uh ninja yeah definitely ninja and then you know the bots are just in the way when you're playing with friends like i've never <laughs> seen anyone lose to them
2: you can lose to them if yeah. you like if you if you have six bots and you put them all super high you can lose to them uh if it's just like one or like if just two people
1: yeah, we have. Mike and I have lost. We, we, we've we screwed up a few rounds yeah, for sure. It's it's
2: rare, though. I, I will give you the fact that it's rare, but that's because... It hasn't happened
1: in a while, actually, now that I
2: think about <laughs> it. That's because I we've just played so it. so often, right?
1: Yeah, I know.
0: Yeah, other than that, I think that's all I got. I got to put my hot take on the internet that Mario Sunshine is a terrible game.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and and we'll leave it oh. with that. So thank you very much, Jason. We appreciate your, uh, your hot takes on Mario Sunshine and, of course, your great takes on Nightfire. Thank you. Take care, man. You
0: know, how do I Yeah. How do I uh, get this to you? What
1: do I do? I'm still recording. Help. <laughs> get off so I can say what a nice young man because we do that with every listener.
2: Yeah. What a nice young man. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Thank, every t- you every time they... Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, nice man. Time. Take care. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. That was great to have Jason on. Talk mm. about his favorite characters, his favorite levels, and just, uh, yeah, he was very insightful. Thanks for taking notes, Jason, and uh, being getting your research ready. It's good to come prepared,
1: and I'm glad that he got to give one little snipe in at Mario Sunshine. That's that's very good. Very nice.
2: Yeah, we're just going to pretend that never happened because— We could probably edit it out, too. (laughs) That's going to become a whole thing, and, uh, you know, well, maybe we'll just keep it in so then the listeners can uh, have some rage at Jason. Yeah, we're not here to make waves. We're just here to make wave races.
1: Wave races on the dolphin. (laughs)
2: Okay, so we have uh, Matt and Jeff here, my two cousins, uh, coming all the way from Ottawa, Ontario. Matt, Jeff, how are you guys? Doing fine. Uh,
5: Pleasure to be on the show. (laughs) Same (laughs) with me. (laughs) Pleasure to have you.
2: Neil's uh, Neil's the the person who would always give us uh, uh, that third controller so we could play together. Well, thank you. I've (laughs) seen your thumbprints on my controllers.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Who has the lower voice, me or my brother?
2: Uh, I think you have the lower voice. It's hard to tell. Everyone, I, I always thought Jeff had the lower
4: voice. Because right now you sound very low,
1: Matthew. <laughs> He's also using a different like mic though, so it's hard to tell.
2: I'll 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 crank him down in uh, in post. I'll put his uh, I'll put his voice super low. Change the. He literally just
1: sounds like a double bass <laughs> yeah. falling down the stairs.
2: Yeah, we uh, obviously my memories of this game really just stem or the biggest thing stems from playing with you guys at Christmases, at birthdays, or whenever we would be together. We would always play Nightfire. And uh, I guess my first question is, what's your favorite level that you've ever played on Nightfire?
5: That's a tough one. We have so many. Uh, What I like like about the game is that there's so many modes Mm -hmm. and it never gets old because there's just so many ways to vary the play style, the different maps, the different modes. So I'd say my favorite for just the classic version of the game, which is playing with bots. That's what's unique about the game. The multiplayer bots would be on SkyRail classic yeah the, uh, the the two uh ski lodges on both side uh, bottom and top of the mountain i'd say would be my favorite only flaw with that one is the uh the bots tendency to continue to walk into the the mountain
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah what was the deal with that no idea <laughs> it was always only in that one quarter
5: on skyrail
1: yeah bottom of the mountain on skyrail And you would take, like, five minutes to line up your scope to
2: just headshot Ninja right in the back of the head and kill him (laughs) in one one hit? That was one of my favorite parts about that. And just, like, I would also go on the uh, the actual Skyrail itself and, and just, like, hang out there for a while with, like, a Sentinel or something.
1: Yep. But then, like if explosives are turned on, and you just start getting hit all of a sudden. You can't get out. You can't. You, if you jump out, you die when you hit the ground. It's like you're like a fish in a barrel.
5: A mechanic I would have liked to see for that is the the bots being able to use the sky rail. Though that that would add another element. If you see them going around the map and the sky rail sniping you, rather than going their their typical route of going along <laughs> the right side of the mountains and you know where they're gonna come yeah. out every time. So yeah. I wish I wish they could use. Some of those elements to the game—the sky rail, the helicopter, and the tanks—and uh, fixed mm-hmm. gun emplacements.
2: Yeah, it was weird that they. Uh, I mean, I get why the bots couldn't use the helicopter and the tanks, but yeah, uh, that'd be a little unfair, maybe. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But using the uh, the gun <laughs> emplacements, like, I feel that wouldn't be crazy to do. Like, that shouldn't be that hard. No, and especially like some of those gun emplacements were like really bad too. Like there was the one where yeah. it was just bullets. Yeah, and then like they weren't even
1: placed in very good positions. Sometimes it's like they were in a corner where it's like there was nothing around. No one even. This isn't even a high traffic zone. You weren't, you wouldn't even have been that. It wasn't. I almost never used the fixed gun placements to be honest. Like I think Skyrail was the only one where I did because you could go up on the rock in that one spot and shoot downhill, which was very useful. But of the other levels, I don't know if any of them, I was ever really attracted to them because there was, there was a rocket launcher one, a machine gun, and then like a laser gun one, right? There's just the three.
5: Can't tell you how many times I've killed myself on Skyro on top of the rock. <laughs> and you, just, you just shoot your feet. <laughs> right.
2: I think there's also the one that is like the kind of the the heat seeker. I think that one also has a. a oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, like the scorch always. Yeah. yeah.
5: Tended to pop up in ravine always. <laughs> <We just laughs> that at the other castle. <laughs>
2: oh yeah, that's right. It's at the bottom of the skyrail for the yeah. Because that's yeah. right. There's a skyrail on ravine too, which is yep. which is kind of cool.
1: Like, Ravine, there was, like, that play a game of Chicken where it's, like, someone has to go either across the sky rail where you're just out in the open or you go across that, like, rock bridge where you just have to run. <laughs> and if you're playing on explosives... What is it? Explosives 2 with the rocket launchers? Just, like, when you get halfway through, it's just explosions start happening and you never make it. It was just... Yeah, that was such a hard level because you, you just couldn't get to the other side at all unless like everyone's dead and you have to sprint it.
2: The one thing about uh, Ravine that I always, that me and especially me and Matthew did all the time, was we would be both be odd job and we would both uh, try and hit each other from the across the map with our hats. <laughs>
5: After 15 years of playing the game, we got pretty good. It was actually a threat to throw the cross map hat. You can cross map hat somebody.
2: Yeah, yeah. Matt Matt is wow. especially good at it. I I, yeah. I I can do it okay, but he can like because there's a bit of a curvature to the map as well, uh, or to the the hat. There's I should some say. wind. <laughs> yeah. Some well, because <laughs> it's weird because if you like jump and you throw the hat, uh, it'll actually like do it'll it'll be thrown differently than if you just throw the hat standing. Wow, it's like a
1: curveball. No. Yeah. What? I almost never play as Oddjob now. Mike, Mike is such a good friend that every time we play, Mike lets me play as Bond. <laughs> but that's a good, that's a best friend, right there. He's like, Oh, you be Bond, I'll be I'll be uh, Laura or Dominique or whoever.
2: Yeah, I'm okay with it's it. It's
5: been years since I played, and I haven't chosen. odd job. I'll play
2: <laughs> the hat, the hat <laughs> for
5: me is the the tomahawk equivalent in Call of Duty, the cross map tomahawk. Except with the hat, you actually, for me at least, after 15 years of practice, you actually have a chance of hitting the guy. It's not
1: just a waste of your tomahawk. <laughs> I got I got pretty good at using the rifles without scoping. I, I could quick or what is that quick scope? I guess yeah, the with term. with like, yeah. just a
2: tactical sniper.
1: Yeah, I got pretty good with the tactical sniper. That's one of my favorite weapons in the game. But my favorite weapon in the game would have to be the Advanced Individual Munitions System 20, also known as the Ames 20. I didn't. Sure. I, I, I had no idea what it stood for. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to look that up. <laughs> but yeah, now we know that's my favorite weapon. Yeah,
2: now you know because you can switch between uh, like a like a semi-automatic rifle and then uh, just a grenade launcher. <laughs> uh jeff uh, uh what are your thoughts about ravine i know you're not the biggest fan of ravine
4: isn't ravine the one where there's a a bridge in the middle that's and it's right. like one yep. versus one
2: over the ravine yes
4: yeah that's like one of my favorite ones oh you like
2: that one okay <laughs>
4: i like when i faced you guys just everyone versus everybody
5: which is jeff hiding underneath the stairs <laughs> and us.
4: <laughs> and there's a spot where you can fall and like no one can get you <laughs> in a certain yeah. spot <laughs> Right
2: next to the skyro <laughs> <laughs> that's right. There's that little that little area that uh that, that you can kinda of fall onto and you like literally can't go anywhere unless someone kills you. Yeah, you have yeah. to jump off. So, yeah.
5: So you camp there with a sentinel, you do your eight sentinel missiles and then you <laughs> jump off and nobody gets the point for killing you.
4: <laughs> and so- you guys were once, you two versus me, and you guys just try to kill each other.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seems like that seems like us. Uh, so I guess if you do like ravine, is there any uh, like map that you remember that you really hate?
4: Uh, there's one where you had to keep uh, running down as fast as you can to the bottom, and I can't remember what that's called. Su- so-
2: sub sub pen, I think, or silo. Or is sub-pen. it Atlantis you're
5: referring to?
4: Maybe it's Subpen. Oh, it's
2: oh I think it's Atlantis. Uh, where that's it's- where we
4: play
5: uh, like the search and destroy criminal. Yeah, protection and demolition.
2: Yeah, you're talking about the one Jeff where uh you like you, you take like the chart the stachel charge and you have to put it on like the uplink. No, no, side. I like
4: that one. There's okay. another one though.
2: Oh, it's it's like all kind of green, right? Yeah, it's green. Yeah, yeah, that's the silo. That's the uh, silo? Mm-hmm, yeah, I didn't yeah. like that. Yeah, Neil and I played that actually recently where we uh where we jumped down and tried to put the satchel charge on the <laughs> as fast as we could.
1: That's the only way to play that now. <laughs> I got really good at that actually. I think I won the most points. I used to win that one. That's a good one. <laughs> That's fun. You just have to fall and not die. <laughs> <Yeah>. and
2: then... <laughs> it's hard though. <laughs> it is, yeah.
1: I think I think you were just taking all the hits for me and I was I was detaching the satchel charge onto the whatever satellite dish you were supposed to do.
2: Matt, is there any uh is there any good level that you particularly don't like? That's probably I'd say that's
5: one of the ones I dislike the most as well. Uh, the only fun part of that is yeah, dropping down either to blow up the with the stachel charge or to shoot someone on your way down. <laughs> the other one, uh, what's the one with the elevators called? Uh, sub pen. That's sub pen with the with the submarines. The submarines, yeah. I, I I think that's the one we've played the least. There's just there's not as much to that map, and I can't can't tell you why. There's no specific reason that I particularly enjoy that less than any other I just say that there's nothing special about that map to me that doesn't stand out as a night fire.
1: Yeah, that map doesn't flow very well. Like, the no. elevators make it difficult to remember how the map even works. Like, I've played that map several times in the past, and every time I go back to it, I have no idea where anything is. Because everything looks the same. There's nothing differentiating it from the upper level, the lower level, and then there's also, like, an east and west side. I can't tell what's what. So it's hard to remember, like, where the good guns are, where the ammo is, where where people could hide um, other than like Mike and I love playing Fort Knox or like you guys talk about Skyrail or, or Ravine. Th- those levels all have really good design and it makes it easier to remember how to play it. And you can go back to it in a year and you'll still remember. Whereas Subpen is just, it doesn't have that for some reason.
5: Yeah, for some reason the bots all hang out in the middle, right? at the Like the two, uh, yeah. the two <laughs> doors. <laughs> as soon as you open one, there's just five of them just hanging out. They're not doing anything.
2: So I guess my other question here is uh, what makes Nightfire playable today like like why why is this game still playable 18 years later
5: well i'd say the main thing is what's unique about the game is, and tell me if i'm wrong uh that's obviously a lot of games i haven't played but to me i can't think of another game that has bot compatibility in multiplayer mode if i'm thinking of any call of duty game when you're just playing split screen with your friend obviously there's online but night fires before mm-hmm. on the online era I can't think of any game where you could play against bots in a shooter game uh, with split screen compatibility.
2: Yeah, the only one that I've recently like kind of like found is Time Splitters Two, which mm-hmm. uh, uh, which is actually funny enough. It's made by the guys who made 007 Goldeneye um so you know kind of has a, a bond tie there but yeah that's really the only one and that came out in i think 2003 neil or 2002 as well like around the same time um yeah, I think and that's then right. not really i can't think of anything since
5: the other thing i'd say about the bots is uh since they're programmable in a sense uh even after playing the game for 15 years or, or more i can't tell how many years 18 <laughs> but it's we can 18, maybe? Yeah. Uh, it's it's still fair the way we do it yeah. because uh, you put Waylon or Bond in and they're a headshot every time. and Then you can program Allura to be uh, someone who, who's a follower and then they work together somewhat. And that's just something I've never seen in any other shooter
1: game. Yeah, I agree. Mike, you were, asking, you were asking about AI bots being in multiplayer games. The closest thing I can think of with Nightfire to current gen games was Call of Duty zombie mode. For some reason, I just thought mm. of that. Because yeah, I, I almost yeah I almost treated a lot of the times when we play Nightfire as like the zombie mode where Mike goes out we play capture the flag and Mike will go out and get the flag and I'm left protecting our flag and the way that like the AI bots come in through the doors and and like I'll set up traps it reminds me of what you do in in Call of Duty zombie mode where you're setting up traps bombs trip wires to try and kill the AI bots and that game it's zombies in this game it's meant to be agents it, it's kind of the same concept and then like even when you play in a level like Snowblind. Mm -hmm. where you have to uh, the AI bot nest like it's kind of like this underground fort and bricks and everything you have to just go in with full ammo full armor explosives preferably to kill everyone it just reminds me of going through like a zombie horde so that's probably like the closest thing to a current gen game I don't even know if they still do Call of Duty zombies but I remember that being a huge deal in in the late 2000s when we were in
2: high school oh yeah no uh Jeff is there like uh is there anything that you can think of I guess that that kind of makes this game stand out for you
4: Uh, well most of what you said I like the different locations that you can go to and all the items you can use. Uh, the controls are are pretty good. I like the controls for GameCube.
5: Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to add that as well, that it's very user-friendly. I remember playing this one when we were, I was six maybe when we first started playing <laughs> yeah. it. And they have those classic Bond controls, which is more of a 2D control-based uh, version That's for right. it. And uh, as I got older and I started playing Call of Duty, there's those other control sets like Moonraker that use both joysticks. But yep. I've never seen a game that had just you were able to actually play the game without too much difficulty with just one joystick for the beginner gamers, I'd say.
2: Yeah, it is a really good game in terms of like beginner, like friendly, like it's very fair. Yeah.
4: Yeah what about story mode though is that okay or no like how good how good is it i never played that part
2: oh yeah i guess yeah i guess you you would have never played it i i i personally love it like neil and i have played it about like you know like well neil said he's only played through story mode four times
1: yeah, like four or five times. I haven't played it as much. I love it. But like, I'm more of a multiplayer guy. Like, I've played hundreds and thousands of hours with my cousins, uh, with Mike and with our friends in grade school. That was more of my wheelhouse. But yeah, I mean, I have played the campaign a bunch. It doesn't take long to beat.
2: Yeah, no, the it's the campaign is pretty good. But I mean, what really makes Nightfire shine is like what Matt said, just the fact that. You can have such like amazing multiplayer on this game, you know, that came out in two thousand two. Something that was really ahead of its time, and unfortunately, really hasn't been done since.
4: Wow. Eighteen years ago.
2: Wow. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, I uh, I actually have some good pictures uh, that my uh, I guess my dad has taken over the years of like the three of us uh, playing uh, in the basement. <laughs> playing Nightfire. One one per year, or at least one. At <laughs> yeah, least year. one per year.
1: So <laughs> just... I, I actually forgot about that memory, like just a childhood memory of mine that I guess I haven't really thought of just because. We're older now, but I remember every year around Christmas time, Mike would come over to my place asking to borrow a controller, and that was why. It was so that he could play with you guys at at his house, which is really funny how it's coming up again. I haven't thought about that in so long, because I think, Mike, you got your fourth GameCube controller not long after, what, like like late high school, I think you got it. So that was like, that ended that era of you coming over every December 20th or whatever it was, because your cousins were coming over on Christmas Day. That's really funny.
2: Yeah, I finally realized that I should just get my own. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to talk about uh, and chat about about this game before we let you go?
4: Uh, the crazy level was the Phoenix base where it's like sentinels or scorpions. Everyone has yeah, <laughs> killing each other. <laughs> I think that was my Fra- the funniest
2: uh, part. And the frame rate just dips down to two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah just like a terrible uh like it's it's like hilarious but also terrible because yeah like nothing can happen while you're shooting and it just like uh especially the bots because they're really funny because they, they blow themselves up with their uh their explosives okay.
5: <laughs> yeah. just two more mechanics that i really haven't seen in other games uh mm-hmm. one is uh the fact that Knick-Knack is a character, just uh, having smaller <laughs> characters in the game. And for some reason, that makes them the best character available since nobody's able to target them. Just just purely due to size. That's not something I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's just hilarious. It's so funny to see Knick-Knack running around and he's just up to everybody's knees. <laughs> uh, I love that. And the gadgets. So I know in the, in the story mode, there's a whole set of gadgets. But the fact that you're able to use the grapple as well during the game... For me, that's the that's the James Bond experience of the multiplayer. Yes. That's the only thing that really makes it different than any other shooter game. It's that you pull out your cell phone and you grapple up
2: to the buildings.
5: <laughs> I always uh,
2: I always really appreciated that mechanic. I love. That. I always love that too. Je- Jeff could never get it right though. No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to hit that hook
1: just right. And I think they did put it into Everything or Nothing. That the grapple hook is also in that. Uh, could be wrong. It might also. Yeah, it might also be an agent underfire. I'm not as well versed on that game at all, but that yeah, it, grapple hooks in games is just so damn cool. Like no. that should just be it makes you feel like Spider-Man. So, I think <laughs> that they should just they should just do it all the time as often as possible. But they put a grapple hook in the new Doom game. It's at the end of your shotgun, which is pretty dope.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's weird that you don't see it in as many things. Like you see it in like Just Cause. Like that's what I like that's why I actually mm-hmm. really like Just Cause 3 and Just Cause 2 because you can grapple like James Bond, but even like crazier obviously because it's a uh, next gen but it. it's yeah. because
1: games are always trying to be just so real like they're trying to like take away as much zany goofiness because grapple hooks really don't make any sense like they're not <laughs> realistic like you can't just fly from the air and grapple a hook and then get to it without ripping But well, you can I, I don't know but like th- there's a lot of like what do you call them um, kind of like in The Last of Us, where you have a just a rope with a hook, and then you climb up a wall. Like that's a little bit more. It's not as fun though.
2: So. No, yeah, because games, especially James Bond games, are meant to be yeah. like it's escapism almost, right? It's just supposed mm-hmm. to be zany, but with some you know some gr- ground to reality. We need more grapple hooks in games, clearly. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much, Matt and Jeff, for coming on today. Really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for your insights, and uh, we hope to have you on again sometime. Yeah, we'd love We'd love, love that. Thanks for having us yeah no problem take care guys see, you later. see ya what's what what nice young men mm-hmm. yes my cousins matthew and jeffrey coming on to talk about the greatest game of all time nightfire <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh it's it's yeah it's i it was very kind of cool to reminisce with them a little bit on uh levels and especially on the ravine uh because yeah the three of us would play ravine constantly as kids and Always like like Jeff kind of brought up the fact that it would be like two versus one or something, uh, or we would just like do free for all and uh, uh, and it would just be me and Matthew fighting each other and then then Jeff would be like hiding somewhere, but <laughs> well, then he'd end up winning because we play like top Asian or something, right? Which is where you uh, it's like the one people with the person with the least kills wins or least the most amount of least lives, deaths. yeah, least yeah, deaths, yeah,
1: yeah least you. deaths. And is Jeffrey, the, I don't know your cousins all that well. Is he the younger one of you guys? No, or, Jeff is the older one. So Matt's the youngest of the three yeah. of you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I, I did the same thing with my cousins uh, on my mom's side. We used to see them every you know, Easter, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. And we played a bunch of GameCube games. We'd play like 1080 Avalanche, Mario Kart, Mario Party, and Nightfire. And even to this day, my youngest cousin, he's, um, geez, how old is he now? He might be, I don't know, 23 or something like that. But he, uh, he still talks about Nightfire. And we haven't played it in probably close to... I don't know. 14 years now. 12 years. You should have had we Just stop playing game. <laughs> eh, it's okay. <laughs> he doesn't listen to the show. But no, he he still says, "Okay, like, hey, remember when we used to play Nightfire and like uh, Phoenix Bay?" Like he still remembers like the the weapons, the levels, the the certain moments and. And just it's funny how those memories just carry on with you into, into adult life.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, like, look at I mean, obviously, we play this more recently than your cousins. But like, look at my cousins. With yeah. The fact that, you know, Matthew was talking about all the, the, the little things that we would do on things like sub pen and, and remember the elevators there. And uh, and like that was something I actually forgot. I forgot that that base. Um, we used yeah. to play Atlantis all the time. That's what he was referring to. One he was talking about when Jeff was trying to figure out uh, what the base that goes underneath, kind of, which is a Silo. But we were thinking of Atlantis, which is the one where you have to go all through all the corridors and there's that little outside area. Oh, yeah. okay. I, I think it's actually cool. And I just kind of realized this now, but the only like stage that's in the game is Snowblind. That is in like the main missions.
1: Yeah, that's true. They do take levels from just other Bond movies. Yeah, I think that's so smart. I mean, Ravine is, Ravine is kind of oh yeah, it is in the game. it's a boss fight. You're in the sky rail the entire time. But yeah, the um the ski lifts that like that's not there. It's yeah, it's not like from Golden where when you play multiplayer, you're literally playing from maps in the game. So that's a good point. I never thought of that before. And I, I like to think, Mike, I know that you said in the uh, when, when your cousins were on there that they, they don't make games like this anymore. They, they don't. You're right. But I like to think that people, kids these days that are now young, under the age of 10 or, or whatever, that when they go to their cousin's house, I think that they are playing multiplayer games, shooters. They're playing Fortnite. They're playing Call of Duty together. So yeah. I think that like in, in 15 or in 18 years, I think you're <laughs> going to hear podcasts or whatever the hell it is that people are doing in 18 years you're going to hear people talking about, hey, remember when we used to play Black Ops 4 and this was the map that we went on and these were the guns we used? So those memories are still being made. It's just not with the same games that we played.
2: Yeah. And I think, honestly, that's, you you know, as long as Couch Co-op kind of continues in some way. I was reading an interesting article um, about uh, Nightfire and about just James Bond games, and they talk a lot about how uh, no one has quite perfected the the trifecta of gaming which is great story mode great online multiplayer great couch co-op and they kind of talk about how Nightfire is the closest to do it other than than online
1: yeah it's hard to have good couch co-op and good online at the same time because how do you skate that line of doing both really well
2: what i really want more in games that i i'm i'm kind of upset that isn't there right now is is the fact that there's not a lot of games that you can do couch co-op online. You know, that's what I really want. Like that's like uh, you and me used to play Mario Kart online together uh, at couch co-op and just try and make people get mad at us. Yeah, just we, <laughs> like we would only go after the people that had high scores yeah. to try and bring down their their, end,
1: their their global rating. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. Like if you and I were playing split screen couch co-op against instead of playing against AI bots, we'd be playing against people from Japan and Germany and the States yeah, but it's too bad, like, just, like, for example, the biggest game for that I've played this year is probably going to be The Last of Us 2. And it would have been neat. It would have made it maybe a little too goofy. But if we could have done, like, a four-player survival mode of just, like, four people, you have, like, you know, your camp, and then you have to go out and kill each other or something, just to have something to do together. Like, bring, invite your friends over to play The Last of Us together. But instead, you have to sit with your friend on the couch and pass the controller back and forth, maybe, and experience the story together. Mm-hmm. It'd be a lot of fun if they just put in this, look, it's going to be goofy. It's not going to be dramatic like Ellie's not going to be fighting in the mud like it's just going to be just a goofy four-player couch co-op game that you can play it doesn't have to be kart racing but it can be something close to like a night fire experience that would be a really neat and and just that'd be really groundbreaking to do if let's say Sony for example publishes this new game it's like a, this gritty first-person open world game where you're you know killing people and you're, you're fighting robots or whatever and then your friends come over for pizza and you guys play this goofy four-player couch co-op game after you're done playing that would be just really no game's done that really no like, no in the last 15 18 years now it seems like just games don't do it anymore so it would really turn everything at this point you'd be resetting the clock so this generation of kids playing games now would be like
2: what's this right well we have nicola joining us all the way from toronto and nicola we were just talking uh, about actually uh nightfire and agent Underfire and how terrible those names are and so you have played both of them you think
6: yeah, actually. So that's something that I was, you know, wanted to clarify with you. I was like, which one are you talking about? Because I do have a memory of both of them. I know that we had both of them. But looking back, I remember the covers being very similar. And I remember it all being very similar. So I think that I have some antidotes from from both games, and I'm probably melding them together in my mind, just because it was, you know, in my mind, interchangeable. And they came out around the same time, I think, too.
2: Yeah, within uh, only a couple of months of each other, actually. Which is pretty crazy. I'm going to die if your memories are actually
1: like Halo. (laughs) It's not even a James (laughs) Wan game.
6: Oh, wait. This
1: This is the one with the guy with the green hat and the yellow (laughs) visor.
6: Well, I've never played Halo. So that's, you know, if I did have memories of Halo, that would be super weird.
1: I mean, Marty Thompson has come on the show twice now and he talks about the wrong game.
2: (laughs) So I guess, yeah, let's just start off with your memories of your kind of your first memories of of either of these games. (laughs)
6: Yeah. Well, I mean, in general, like we we got the GameCube. I remember it was um, Christmas 2003 because it was right. It was the year right before my uh, youngest brother was born, Um, which is super weird to think about memories before your sibling was born. Um, But (laughs) uh, I know that for Christmas, we got like, I guess, a family friendly game, which is Mario Party. Um, and I remember in the new year, um, we wanted, um, our dad always used to play like PC games. Um, and he played like first and third person shooting games. I remember he played Max Payne. I don't know if that, <laughs> that's a game you guys know about, Yep. but we wanted something similar for the GameCube, me and my brother. Um, and I remember we went to, uh, EB games or whatever, um, and this was, you know, the James Bond games. We we bought both of them, Agent Under Fire and uh, Nightfire. So I think, yeah, we, we played both of them. So that's why I sort of have them both. They, they seem like the same game to me because yeah. we played them sort of like simultaneously. And I just remember also getting like a lot of anxiety of playing <laughs> these shooting games because I always used to like watch them. And then actually when you're playing them in first person, like you can't really see like who's behind you. You know what I mean? Like if you're playing yeah. like, like mortal Kombat or something you can see like your your whole self and everyone around you um but now when you're playing this first person shooter you just you, gunshots are coming from everywhere and i remember being very stressful <laughs> um but super fun at the same time and that that first mission the the factory one i'm not sure which one it was i think that one was agent under fire um and then i remember the first mission for nightfire was like a snow one you were sort of like in the snow that's right um outside a couple buildings, and it just, yeah, that's that's what I remember from that, um, and I remember because I played with my brother, we could play multiplayer, and I think, I don't know if this was both of them, but I think you could, we played four-person multiplayer with us two, but, like, two of the people being computers, yep. and I'm, we remember that being, like, super fun as well <laughs> to play like four screens and like even though there's two of us
2: yeah the you, you are correct so agent under fire was the factory was that's that's the first level that you go through and uh and uh night is the, the snowy level where you're kind of trying to sneak into the mansion
6: yeah okay and one of them do you like save a girl or something and and the snow one i think
2: yeah yeah yep. yeah because you go into the sky rail and there's mm-hmm. a helicopter yeah. and you're shooting it
6: yeah
2: <laughs> you, you
1: save a girl in all the bond games though too,
2: yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the same plot lines um, yeah this is what i remember <laughs> and and you're probably remembering Nightfire and uh and the fact that you can have so many different uh bots uh on your team or against you you can have up to mm-hmm. s- yeah, the bot. yeah you can have up to six bots uh playing uh, at a time including four other people so 10 people can be on screen at the time which is pretty crazy in 2002
6: yeah exactly and yeah, I remember, I mean, we didn't really, I don't know if this is a theme with everyone, but I guess like it was just me and my brother, right? So yeah. I, it's also, it was fun to add in sort of like fake friends, right? Yep. Before we, you know, could play online with people because it was just us two. We get annoyed with the, uh, us two. And to be honest, I wasn't the best at video games, right? So my brother would get super angry with me <laughs> because I wasn't really much competition. So at least he could have some other like fake people to play with.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, some of those that you might remember are like, Oddjob, uh, you know, there's Goldfinger, there's uh, Jaws, which actually we haven't even talked about yet, but Jaws mm-hmm. was one of the characters in Nightfire that you could play with or against, and he was just, like, this massive guy who uh, had by far the most health of any other bot, and so right. you would just shoot him in the head, <laughs> like, like four or five times, and the guy still wouldn't go down, and that was, that was always my memory. It's just, like, if I wanted a challenge, I would put Jaws on the team. Mm-hmm.
6: Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, and we talked off-air, off, uh, off air, actually, about something that's really interesting. It's kind of the fact that I think a lot of people our age uh, uh, had the same experience of before we played these games, we didn't really know what James Bond was.
6: Yeah, that's another thing, too. Like, we just saw it as, like, a shooting game. Like, we did, we honestly did not know but like James Bond was a thing. Mm. Like that's the reason they made these games was because it was part of a franchise and obviously had like lots of allusions to the the movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we had no idea. Um, and I remember like the theme song, obviously it's like very famous, right? And it's in all of the movies, but we thought that was literally just the game. Yeah. Um, and obviously as we, we grew up we're like, oh, this is, you know, a thing. So um, yeah, it was very interesting. That was sort of our first foray into James Bond. And now I love the franchise. As a, as a
2: whole yeah and and that was that was me as well like i remember because i got this game probably around the same time you did and i knew of james bond like but i didn't really watch many of the old movies and i just knew that it was a movie franchise and i didn't it didn't really click into me uh you know like that night fire was just like Basically another James Bond movie, but obviously with a with a original story and everything. And I didn't know that these bots and these levels and everything were from different games over the years. You know, like there's a lot of stuff from Goldfinger. There was stuff from Moonraker, um, and even like all the control schemes. I don't know if you remember like changing your controls, but every control scheme had its own uh, movie attached to it. So you had mm-hmm. you had Moonraker, you had Thunderball, you had. Do you, I don't know if you mm-hmm. remember all of them Neil but uh the different controls yeah classic bond moonraker thunderball
1: I I always just go straight to moonraker I don't know what the other ones say to be honest <laughs> yeah that's fair that's that is the correct way to play so yeah
2: and do you remember anything about the 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 kind of the single player aspect of of um of nightfire obviously you talked about the first the, the first level
6: I honestly I would play the first level and then you know watch my brother play because I was so bad he would would turn off the console if like I was starting to win at all so like you know if my team was like getting pulling ahead he would just turn off the console and then you know that way sort of stunted my (laughs) my ability to get better (laughs) now of
2: course you're talking about your Brother who hadn't been even born yet, uh, or was was less than a year old, uh, uh, playing with you. Oh no,
6: my, other brother. <laughs> my no, my other brother, my other brother, <laughs> and yeah, which is it's interesting because it's something that like me and like my I guess he's he's a couple years younger than me. Not too much younger, but um, the GameCube was something big that like was our thing.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
6: I mean, we got it. We played it together. And by the time my youngest brother sort of like grew up into being able to hold a controller, we already had like the Wii. Yeah. So he didn't really play that. And I think that like with the GameCube, we sort of like it tucked it away and we just kind of like hopped on the Wii bandwagon. But it was something that sort of ended with even my youngest brother hadn't, doesn't really have any memories of the GameCube at all.
1: Wait, did yeah. you guys not know that you can play GameCube games on the Wii?
6: You could. I know. I do remember oh, okay. that, actually. And <laughs> The only one we did play uh, on the Wii, um, sort of like, I don't want to say religiously, but a lot, was the SSX Tricky Games. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> so that's, that's those ones good. we always on the way.
2: Well, we're doing SSX uh, come uh, January, so you should uh, you should hop on for that episode, too.
6: Oh, my goodness. The best. The best. <laughs> cool.
2: <laughs> Before we let you go, is there anything you want to say about uh, Nightfire or just these games in general?
6: Um, I asked my brother, um, for just sort of like a one-liner and I don't know if this means anything, but he said, just let them know that Nigel Blotch, a boss from Underfire was super annoying and could never beat him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nigel. That's that's from Agent Underfire. We're not talking about that today. Okay. That's from Agent Underfire. Oh
2: yeah. Okay. I was trying (laughs) to remember. I mixed (laughs) them up. I mixed them up. That's okay. That's all right. Hey. (laughs) The fact that, yeah, they're like you said, their box arts are almost like identical. The only difference is that Pierce Brosnan's face is a bit more in- in uh, shot for Nightfire rather than uh, yeah. Agent Underfire. Yeah. Well, he's
1: not in Agent Under. Pierce Brosnan wasn't used in Agent Underfire's likeness. Right,
2: yes, yeah. But he obviously being in, uh, in Nightfire. But uh, yeah. yeah, thank you so much Nicola for coming on. We really appreciate your your thoughts and, uh, and insight into, uh, into Nightfire and uh, we hope to see you for the SSX uh, uh, episode.
6: Of course, of course. Thanks so much, guys.
2: Take care, Nicola. See you later.
6: Alright, bye. What a nice
2: young lady. Cool, that was awesome to have Nicola and just another perspective. Always great to have these episodes where we have a ton of different perspectives of people playing these games. You know, we had Jason who came on, mm-hmm. uh obviously someone who's played this game to death and still has played it recently. You know, we had my cousins who uh have, you know, had different experiences, really just a multiplayer experience in that sense. Right.
1: Yeah, and just how many different ways there are to play it. Like, yeah, you can you can totally miss the campaign, or you could totally miss the multiplayer, depending on who and what you had at the time. So really yeah. interesting how that happens, Mike. During our guests with our guests on the show, we both mentioned our favorite levels. You loved Night Shift, and I loved Chain Reaction. Did you want to talk a little bit about maybe your least favorite part of this of this game? Since we we, we tried to touch a little bit on it with with Jason coming on, what were his least favorite things? But what what about you? In the first in the campaign of the game, what what was maybe a level that really didn't stick out to you or maybe could have been cut and you would have been totally fine with it?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's fair. We don't we don't want to um we don't want to uh say that this game is perfect. There's obviously it obviously has its flaws. And sure. for me, I would I would say Deep Descent. You know, it the classic water levels. Mm. Why are sure. water levels always so bad? In, and why do uh, <laughs> they always have to be in
1: a game? But, right? Yeah.
2: So, for those who don't know, Deep Descent uh, that is a submarine level where you are controlling basically tank controls for a submarine and um it's it's really hard to control it's uh you have to shoot these charges off and uh that like kind of goes down and and hits other things and the hardest part and the worst part about that level is the stupid underwater mines it is so hard to uh, avoid them because you're playing it in basically you know the first person uh, you are uh, you do see the summary in a bit depending on because on, you can change it a little bit. It's such a hard thing to do. And it's honestly just RNG. You just have to get lucky. You just kind of go through as fast as you can and hope that you don't hit like these hundred mines and yeah. the entire cave collapses and you have to do the whole thing over again because there's no checkpoints
1: really frustrating and tank controls like i've said before in the resident evil episode are tough for me so that that level was a little bit of a grind to get through and it's just hard to know you're all of a sudden you know you've been playing as a as a person you know how a a body is supposed to interact in the environment it's really hard to transition that into a into a tube in a submarine yeah i know what you're saying
2: cars are different right like like
1: they do one level early on in the game where you're on a snowmobile and it's yeah. on rails and you're shooting bad guys also on snowmobiles. You have like infinite ammo, even though it's counting your bullets for no reason. You can't run out of bullets <laughs> yeah. in that level, which is funny. But they, they should have done something like that with an underwater level. They should have made it more like your, your love interest is, is driving the, the submarine and you're shooting or you're doing something else a little bit more arcadian fun and you're not in charge of steering. It automatically gets you to the end as long as you can keep the submarine alive by defending it. Yeah. That would have been probably a better idea. It would have been a little bit like a return to the second or third level of the game, which isn't great, but I mean it would have just alleviated that issue of having tank controls in the submarine very close to the end of the game too where you just want to get to the end and see how it finishes and you're just trying to you know what to do, you just don't know how to do it, which is really frustrating in video games sometimes.
2: It, it is pretty cool when you like think about it. Uh, the fact that this game has a snowmobile, a Aston Martin, uh, a submarine, a plane you, you can mm-hmm. you can fly a plane. like even its faults are still okay right compared to most games. Mm-hmm. And I just you know I just want to talk a little bit here uh, about just how good the controls are like and how good it feels when you're playing this it's so nice hitting those triggers those gamecube triggers mm, like that i love that yeah. it's uh it's so satisfying and they were like we talked about this earlier in the sunshine episode and how these triggers were made for shooters that was the whole idea that they wanted to get to a mature audience and those triggers do feel so much better than that because i played nightfire on a ps2
1: I was going to say, yeah. I wonder how it works on the other consoles. I can
2: say that that uh, I can say I, I really enjoy playing it on a game controller controller the most, and obviously mm. that's bias. I played it for thousands of hours, <laughs> but yeah. uh, but it it it's the triggers that really hold up, right, and make it feel like feel like you're Spider Man and feel like you're James Bond. <laughs>
1: It's totally true yeah no the controls in this game they like we said with all
2: of our guests on today
1: they all they, it just makes sense you you pick the control scheme that works best for you if you've played Call of duty or Halo they have those controls so you know exactly what the reload button is you know exactly what the crouch button is which is always a little bit of a learning curve when you play another shooter that doesn't I think every every shooter should just use Call of duty controls at this point yeah that's I think, what everybody I think knows. There. I think so too but this was before that this was before we were there uh there are some games where like the the aiming button is different the crouch button is different now it's it's pretty much all call of duty controls which that's just become the industry standard now so it's good that this game i mean before call of duty became really what call of duty is this
2: game knew i think Mm -hmm. this is the control scheme that's going to be the future so yeah and talking about the controls so you know we played a lot of games Leading up to this podcast, uh, mm-hmm. you know, especially to research for a lot of these episodes. And I will say about 90% of the games that I've gone back to for this podcast, the controls have been a big negative. You know, I fo- we find that a lot, right? Like, it, we'll be reviewing a game. We'll say, well, the controls are a bit clunky or, or something's wrong with the controls. The controls are for some reason inverted, like uh, Casper.
1: <laughs> yeah, true. This game does not have that. Yeah,
2: it's which is pretty rare for the time. Like, you, you would, I'd say... This is, yeah, one of the only ones that I I still yeah. really enjoy the controls. Mm-hmm. You no,
1: know, what I was going to say was just with my least favorite level of the game, I agree that Deep Descent is fairly weak. Underwater levels in this generation were rough. Um, above water levels were great, like uh, Wave Race, of course. But um, no, my least favorite level of the game was uh, the last level, Equinox. I'm not a huge fan of the final boss fight in this game. Where you yeah, fight uh, yeah, you I, fight Drake uh, in a right. space shoot. You're fighting on like a, uh, a satellite, I guess it is, or a spaceship. And um, you're just shooting back and forth. You both have, or you have a samurai, the, uh, the laser gun. You're shooting him in space. You just have to keep shooting him. And it, it's just not fun. Like, it's not interesting. I think having a boss fight in a grounded, quote unquote, grounded game where there's no like aliens, there's no giant machines fighting or destroying the earth. It's kind of hard to make a cinematic boss fight so i think that a lot of these games like james bond and like uh like uncharted like games that just aren't supposed to be fantastical and big like horizon or i don't know spider-man uh it's okay to maybe just not have a final boss fight like maybe just have like a final mission and then omit that fighting the biggest baddest hardest boss possible i think it's okay to just take that out
2: sometimes I I agree I would agree and and I would say that that would have made knife her even better if, if but I mean it, it also lends to the zaniness of it so I get it I guess yeah it's just it's just kind of like
1: a it always just ends up being like a showdown like a yeah. two cowboys shooting each other on a road and and whoever whoever's health depletes at the end wins or I always love
2: the level before that which is where he is he gets in the spaceship and uh that's actually really fun because you kind of have to just like play a waiting game and uh kill people while they're trying to fight you as the the rockets go off yeah because you you can't be outside or else you'll get killed by the the uh, explosions right. uh and i love that you know you end up trapping kiko down there and then mm-hmm. she dies in the flames and you're in the spaceship saying see ya yeah
1: yeah that's a cool, that, that's a very bond thing to do is to kill like one of the the cunning girls or, or guys in a in a bond movie where bond does something that that chain reaction uh kills that person in a brutal way really when you think about it but mm-hmm. yeah that was a very bond movie thing to do which they didn't do in in golden because there were no real cutscenes. as opposed to there was like maybe 10 seconds at the end of the level where bond would jump off a cliff and, and parachute yeah. off or something but it was never like this where you'd see character development and and characters die off screen yeah very interesting and movie-like thing to do
2: well i think it's time to read the back of the case, Neil.
1: All right, let's read the back of the case. But first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle.
0: It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them.
2: And now we're reading the back of the case.
1: Do you have what it takes to be Bond? Rendezvous with beautiful women and confront devious villains in more than ten exotic locales. Twelve action-packed missions combining combat, stealth, and upgradable gadgets. Engage in five high-speed levels with an Aston Martin V12 Vanquish TM and other dynamic vehicles. Over 10 customizable multiplayer modes, including characters and settings from classic James Bond movies. All new storyline featuring Pierce Brosnan as James Bond. <laughs>
2: yeah it's uh that's a pretty bad good back of the case yeah it's good it's great yeah. it's uh it's got everything you need it's 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 james bond that's for it, sure it's just a myth saying that it's the greatest shooter of
1: all time so i mean they, they could have they could have slipped that one last point in for sure <laughs> I think now would be a good time to probably close out this episode mm-hmm. and uh, just give our final thoughts on Bond. As we said at the beginning of the episode, it's been it's been seven years since there was a Bond video game. But I mean, we've seen a break like this in James Bond before. Remember in 2001 where there was that, uh, the, the last Pierce Brosnan movie came out and it, it wasn't all that good. It wasn't well-received. And we had to wait, what was it, like six years before we finally got Daniel Craig's uh, Casino Royale?
2: Yeah, it was a while, right? And yeah. I think, I mean... I should know this off the top of my head, but I think it's "The World Is Not Enough" was the last movie Pierce Brosnan made. Is that correct?
1: It sounds right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's one. I, I, everything that's not GoldenEye for Pierce Brosnan movies kind of blends in. Yeah, there was one, "The World Is Not Enough." Movie. There was uh, "Die Another Day." Was that? Yeah, bon, was that? Tomorrow Never Dies. Tomorrow, <laughs> Tomorrow Never, never dies. dies. Yeah, thank you. It
1: feels like he did so much more though, because he was in all these games too, like yeah, he was in the height yeah. of the Bond games. So.
2: I, obviously, like Casino Royale was like a huge hit in a, a really good movie, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I don't think a lot of people you know I think a lot of people had written Bond off a bit at that point, mm-hmm. and uh, there's actually a really really good article uh, on from the Telegraph uh, that actually talks about Nightfire. Uh, the the title Whoa. is uh, Nightfire: How a Forgotten Video Game Could Save the James Bond Films from Terminal Mediocrity. Wow, so that was uh, <laughs> pretty funny. That's yeah. really good. Okay, it's, so it's so we have 2017. to thank. Uh, so it's okay. it's it's for the 15th anniversary they did it.
1: Got it. That's pretty sweet for a well-known publication to write an article about a fairly like you and I love Nightfire but I mean like in terms of just popularity it's fairly not obscure. that big. Yeah, it is an obscure game. We we yeah. it's kind of a joke how much we talk about it but it's a seriously a good game like in all honesty everyone should go check it out if you haven't already.
2: Yeah, and and the fact that uh <laughs> that the telegraph did an article yeah. about it. Um yeah, they basically just talk about how uh, like will the formula change again? You know, Daniel Craig's incarnation um, mm-hmm. was like you know that was very much the escapism part of Bond that really delved into. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. it didn't go too hard on the, um, the the like the Roger Moore side of things, where it's just kind of like a slapstick comedy almost. Right, and they wanted to bring it back to kind of a, a grittiness uh, and just focused on the the spy game, I guess, rather than anything else. And yeah, they basically just say, like, will it change again? And they talk about how Nightfire lets Bond be Bond. Plot of Nightfire is Bond at its Bondest. There's a businessman Mm -hmm. named Raphael Drake who likes cleaning up decommissioned nuclear reactors. He also has a private castle, island, space program, and Yakuza ties. Mm -hmm. But Bond is sent around the world and above it to learn the truth. Mm -hmm. And they kind of just talk about so much of the appeal of these video games is that they kind of let players get closer to being the actual on-screen character. Uh, than any other medium, you know, which is why it's a first-person shooter rather rather than third-person for Bond. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's a lot like it's a lot like GoldenEye in that case. Like, I think yeah. Bond needs to be. I think it needs to be a first-person shooter. Like, like we've I've played from Russia with Love, which was that third-person Bond game on GameCube. We'll talk about that in another episode. Not as good. It. I don't think. You, I think it's better off to. It's better off that you feel like Spider Man in a James Bond. Game. I think, <laughs> I think it's good to just like just that's what Goldeneye and I set the record for, right? Like it was, yeah. You see the you see the PP seven and the and and the scope on the in the middle of the screen, and that's it. That that's all Bond needs, and and yeah, you're right. Like Nightfire does skate that line perfectly of being a little bit goofy, but also still very grounded. Like it doesn't get too zany and wacky and. And I mean, obviously, we talked about all the high points and a few of the low points with all of our uh, all of our callers in today. So um, we highlighted that all there. But it is such a great balance of goofiness and and an action like an action movie, like what the Daniel Craig movies are, which feel a bit more actiony than that zany. Like you said.
2: Yeah, Um, they actually compare Nightfire closer to like Kingsman or John Wick movies. Yeah, Uh, they call them very video like video game like in their action, Mm -hmm. uh, but in a positive and breathtaking way. Uh, and if you yep. have a character as great as Bond, you know they say, "Why waste them on emotional deconstruction and not a vicarious wish fulfillment?" And Nightfire embraces a Bond at the top of his saving the world game, for whom nobody does it better. Means something.
3: Hmm.
2: Yeah, that that's really good. That that's well mm-hmm. put. Yeah, that's why I'm reading it because it's better than I can put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well
1: put. Telegraph. Thank you so much. We should have them on the podcast someday. Right.
2: <laughs> Yeah. So it's kind of cool that it gets, you know, Nightfire gets some recognition and, and even mm-hmm. just a quick Google search of Nightfire, you'll find a lot of of articles just mm-hmm. about uh, Nightfire and, um, and people kind of lamenting the fact that, you know, we don't really get games like this anymore. And especially uh, the multiplayer co-op is what a lot of people talk about. Mm -hmm. and spy games in general have become a little bit of a niche genre
1: like like almost like how we talked about with metroid prime a few weeks ago how metroidvania games have become kind of like a niche thing in the indie space uh spy games have become kind of the same i think hitman is probably the last and then what deus Ex has some spy elements to it right like stealthiness
2: and yeah yeah very much but but i mean i think deus Ex is gone for a while
1: yeah that too but it's sad to say that like obviously with james bond we're talking about like that's its heyday was in the late 90s with goldeneye and this was probably the last great bond game i would have to say yeah um and then now we're in like this dark period right now so do you think that we'll ever see a resurgence going forward like what where do you think bond is now in gaming mike do you think that we'll see it come back do you think that they'll start to do remakes and remasters or
2: well, what's your take it's hard to say because I mean, from one standpoint, you can look at like the licensing and what's mm-hmm. going on there. You know, we talked earlier about how it was EA was kind of the, um, the 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 heyday of Bond games and then Activision took over the license and really didn't make good games at all. I, I owned a 007 Legends, which the idea was basically like a nightfire esque game. You know, you take all the all the, the plot points of all kinds of different movies and characters and you put them all together and uh it should make a great game but legends did it in this weird way where you like almost play stories and small snippets of different movies oh geez it, it wasn't like the idea was there but the execution was absolutely garbage uh, i'd say that the best bond game i've played uh since nightfire is probably the golden eye remake uh on on Wii. on Wii, yeah yeah that game is really good because they have very similar nightfire controls and i think eurocom Mm-hmm. did that as well if i'm not mistaken they did they did another james bond
1: game too um let me think here because i played that it?
2: game for hours because that was the first time i could play bond multiplayer online that was my big right. thing of why i wanted to play it yeah that's uh,
1: huge that would definitely help the bond license if they do go back to making video games i think that they should just really hammer on that that multiplayer mode i think that like having a bond game with a like, couch co-op even can't really exist anymore by the way 007 legends was the one that was made by eurocom Oh, so that was okay. made by the Nightfire. Yep, uh, so they... <laughs> maybe, maybe Goldeneye was as well, but uh, Legends, which received mainly four out of tens, uh, I would give it less than that.
2: that, that that's, Ouch. That's that's, that's uh... because there's also Goldeneye Rogue Agent, which we'll yeah. be talking about at some point in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like a weird like redo of it before mm-hmm. the actual remake that they did mm-hmm. for Wii. Yeah, yeah. That no, you're right. That
1: one I played that one. I had that one for a bit. That game is really rough (laughs) i don't know what that game it it looks like a terminator game when you look at the cover like the bond on the cover looks like terminator but yeah we will talk about that in a probably hopefully never but we will have to talk about it eventually (laughs) you do see like games that come out in the indie space uh that were clearly influenced by uh goldeneye and Mm -hmm. certain bond games like there was this one indie game that came out a few years ago I didn't pick it up for whatever reason, but I think it was on Switch, and it was basically like a GoldenEye multiplayer mode where it was four-player split screen. You had to play it with all your friends in the room because the game wouldn't work otherwise, and you're invisible. So the only Mm -hmm. way that you can kill someone else is by screen-watching.
2: Oh, very interesting. Okay, yeah, like, so like, stuff like that is is cool.
1: Is cool, yeah. But again, it's an indie game. It's not. It doesn't exist in the AAA space. So, I. But I. I feel so bad. I don't know the name of the game right now. I'll remember to look it up for the next episode. But I remember thinking it was so cool because one of the main factors of playing Goldeneye or Nightfire in person was that you'd screen watch your friend to find out where they are on the map because you didn't have (laughs) and and like that was like the whole thing was stop screen watching stop screen watching and and now this game this indie game that came out for probably 9.99 it was based on you have to screen watch to play it
6: Mm -hmm. which is just really clever Um, that's cool
1: i i like when when developers try and take a different angle like that yeah but honestly i think (laughs) i'm not even joking right now i think james bond the license will probably eventually be picked up by thq nordic
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm I not joking.
1: I think that that I think it's been in limbo long enough that it's probably cheap, or maybe not super cheap. Like maybe they'll build up to that eventually. But I think you're gonna see THQ Nordic pick up James Bond and start making. That's the thing is they can't really do ports, um, no, because everything it's is licensing. Yeah, because of everything being Activision or EA, so they wouldn't be able to port anything. But I think, I think it's possible that you'll see something like a 007 Nightfire or a, a Golden Eye like remake, not remake, but reboot. Um, made by THQ.
2: Yeah, I, 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 could, I could get on board with that. I'd say my prediction for what's going to happen to the licensing and to the franchise is that someone large buys it, whether it's Ubisoft, whether it's Activision. Again, Activision or EA, EA won't buy it
1: again. They won't do it again. That's for sure.
2: Well, it depends because, like, I, I, I'm, I'm wondering if, like, it, like let's say this movie, the new movie comes out, does really well critically, mm-hmm. commercially. Um, someone's gonna try and pick this up. And there's going to be a bidding war and I don't know, I could see EA get buying it again. Uh I wouldn't be hmm. too, too surprised because you could, then they can make the argument, you know, let's say like a the internal sales team is like making the argument saying, hey, we should buy this. Then we can remake all these games and sell them uh, every year and push those out, Uh, you know, and we, so that's the the idea, I guess, of mm-hmm. it is there maybe. But I, I don't know if it's gonna be. I'm just saying like maybe that could happen.
1: And that's very dependent on if this new movie, uh not what No Time to Die, if that's even going to be big, which I don't think it's going to be big enough for anyone any big publisher to go out and say, We need the licensing back now. Like, I, I in my opinion, I think Bond is is done. Like I don't I don't think it's gonna be nearly as big as it was in the uh, Sean Connery era and the Pierce Brosnan era and and all those great actors like I don't I don't think that Bond is ever going to be that big again it was big when Daniel Craig picked it picked it up but I feel like it's just declined every year occasionally like I'll meet a co-worker or something they're in their 30s so they're the older millennials now they have kids that are now six to ten and it's like that was around the age when I started to, to watch Bond films and I was playing yeah. the games and I, and I asked them just out of curiosity like oh you know yeah your kids watch Spongebob they play Pokemon that's cool that's the stuff I grew up on do they like James Bond and they're like, no, like it's just not a thing for kids anymore. And that's probably because there are no video games and, and, and like, there's nothing on Switch with James Bond's name on it. Obviously, having James Bond games on the N64 was a huge gateway drug for me when I was really young. So, And I just think if you can't get that young generation, I, I don't think you can bank on, on having millennials or people in their 40s and 50s now going to the movies to see a, a Bond film that's going to make enough money that a big publisher like EA or Activision say, let's get the licensing back. Let's make some games every year again like we did in the
2: 2000s. See, I got pl- to play devil's advocate here and I got to disagree mm. with you uh, because okay. I, think, I think this happens every time there's a Bond that's like finishing off. You know, this is Daniel Craig's last movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we we said the same thing when Chris Brosnan had his last movie. It seemed like Bond was done. Um, when Sean Connery had to come back, you know, that that wasn't looking good. Uh, and that looked like that Bond was done there. Yeah. Um, when Roger Moore was almost 60 playing the role, it looked like it was done. So that's that's Bond in a nutshell is is constantly up and downs. True. Uh, it's like almost every other movie, I would say, is really bad and every other movie yeah. is really good. And people forget that Bond films, you know, routinely make a billion dollars at the box office, but it's going to be interesting considering the ways that a lot of these franchises are going, like you have your John Wicks and Kingsman who are kind of almost being rivals to James Bond right now. And I would be very curious of how they frame the next Bond movies, uh, you know, after the Daniel Craig movies. And I think that's going to give us our answer of... Of where bond goes and where the games go because i think it's one of those chicken versus the egg things i think you need to have the games in order for kids to get definitely uh, uh get into it because as we've seen with our guests today you know most of them didn't even really know james bond uh before playing nightfire before playing right. Goldeneye. i
1: i did because i had an older brother he introduced me to the games so I like i said it's all dependent on who you have in your family I think that another deeper issue is just licensed games in general. Like having, having games tied to movies is kind of not, it it doesn't exist really anymore the same way it did when on GameCube and yeah, right. (laughs) Like every time a a movie came out, a game was with it. It just, it was like clockwork. Like a movie came out, boom, here's your, here's your Kangaroo Jack video game on Game Boy or whatever. (laughs) I don't know why I thought of Kangaroo Jack just now, but like, it's true. I mean, like other than like even the licensed games that come out, like we get Batman and we get Spider-Man and we get you know, the occasional Spongebob game for some reason. Um, they're not usually tied to the movies anymore. No, like, like, and, like and when I don't got... think
2: James Bond would be tied to right, the Right,
1: I think that you need to have an original Bond movie come out. So no matter who the next Bond is, I think you need to make a a character that, you know, a video game avatar that looks like James Bond, that's British and has the fancy Aston Martin cars, but it's not tied to a movie, which honestly, that those are the Bond games that I like the most, the ones that aren't tied to anything. Like Nightfire wasn't tied to, we've talked exactly. about, it wasn't tied to a book or a movie and it was, it was great. So... Yeah, I I think they should just kind of separate themselves from the movie and, and maybe try and make a separate video game franchise that isn't tied to movies. Cause like I mean Spider-Man on PS4 is selling like crazy. It's selling like gangbusters right now. The, <laughs> the, on PS5 and PS4, the Miles exactly. Morales game. And it's not tied to a movie really. Like they they do had characters from the movies and and now the Peter Parker character looks kind of like uh Tom Holland, mm-hmm. which is weird. I don't know why they did that. But uh yeah, and like I think that's what they have to do. I think they have to make it just separate from yep. the movies and and become agree. their own thing. Maybe annualize it. Maybe give it to two developers so it's like a Call of Duty where it, you know every other year it's made by Treyarch and then it's made by Sledgehammer. Or, you know that type of thing. But I think I still think THQ Nordic
2: have to be the one to do it. <laughs> I, I I think it. I think Spider Man is the perfect template for it, and I also think uh, Hogwarts RPG is the other yes, template. Those are exactly. the two things that I think. If James Bond games are going to continue, those are the mm-hmm. two ways that they will go.
1: And Arkham, yeah, like those three things, just yeah, make Arkham. it, yeah. make it just separate from the movies and make it great and uh, fly with it. Mike, before we close out this episode, I do want to say that today we put out a Bond poll on our Instagram page. Uh, listeners, if you're out there and you haven't followed us yet, look us up on Instagram. We're at the GameCube pod. We like to post these polls every so often. Sometimes they're video game related. Sometimes they're just life, like how to load a dishwasher. But anyway, <laughs> uh, today I put out a, um, a poll for, uh, what game is better? 007 GoldenEye or 007 Nightfire? Mike, have you seen the results for this poll yet? Or is this going to be a surprise to you? I haven't, but I, I can assume that people have their rose colored glasses on. You are 100% correct, Mike. GoldenEye won out 68% to Nightfire's 32%. That's sad. That's too bad. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, I saw that coming. I knew GoldenEye was <laughs> yeah, going I to know, win. I wasn't sure by how much, but yeah, GoldenEye's just, everyone remembers GoldenEye as being the classic, and that's fair. It's, yeah, it's fair. It, it had yep. that time and place. So thank you so much to everyone that participated in our poll. Keep your eyes peeled for the next one. Not sure what it's going to be yet, but I like to throw them up randomly. So stay tuned.
2: And I guess, Neil, this is the time to say, well, we already know what the answer is, but would you recommend getting this game for your GameCube collection?
1: Mike, I would I would recommend that listeners pick up two copies of Nightfire for their video game collection, which is what you and I have both done. Uh, just in case your first copy stops working, and you're like us, and you're paranoid, and you want to have one for the rest of your life, definitely pick up two. That's how much we love this game. We have two copies of it in case in case one of the discs scratches or whatever. It's just such a good game from start to finish. The graphics are so good. The controls hold up beautifully. The music throughout the movie makes you feel it makes you feel like you're Spider Man. And and it's, it's Pierce
2: Brosnan at his finest. It's the best Bond story. It's the best Bond game. Pick it up now. <laughs> this will be the only game that we will tell you to pick up at least two copies. And, and we're saying at least. Uh, try and find the uh, the James Bond Nightfire uh, Game Boy Advance game as well. So you can That's have That's what three. I'm looking for.
1: Yeah, actually, yeah. Since you and I, Mike, we both own two copies of this game, we're obviously not looking for it. But I am actively seeking out the Game Boy Advance version of this game because I really want to play it. Yeah. <laughs> First person shooters on the Game Boy Advance, man, that's a special idea.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's an interesting
1: interesting <laughs> play. Right. So Mike, why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect on episode twenty eight of the GameCube is cool podcast next week?
2: You're saying that the podcast just isn't done now? I thought, no, I thought we're, we we're
1: done. I thought we we're going to start at number one, like we're going to start at launch day again for episode 28. Now we're just going to keep doing this to lead up to <laughs> Nightfire, so we can keep yeah. talking about it. <laughs> yeah, we've Fire covered all the games the last, now.
2: <laughs> yeah, from what I know, Nightfire is the last game that was ever released. Yeah, I mean, like we've covered. Let's see, we've covered
1: Sunshine, we've covered Metroid Prime, we've covered Melee, we've covered Pikmin. What else is there? What
2: else is there is Ribbit King. Oh, of course. Okay, that's yeah. that's what we all remember. Sure. For episode 28, we will be talking. about about weird and strange games for the gamecube and most of these games are actually very fun mm-hmm. but uh, we have games like ribbit king alien hominid metal arms dr Mudo, and darkened sky mm-hmm. and uh we'll be having some friends of the show on it'll be really exciting marty will be on screaming in the background uh, while nice. his girlfriend uh kara will be uh will be talking about her memories of ribbit king so it's gonna be a good time
1: That sounds like a good time. I can't wait to talk about it. I've played one of those games that we're going to be talking about, so I'm looking forward to having some friends on. Find out which one next episode. (laughs) Next episode. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, this was episode 27 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. We have new episodes every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Write us reviews, positive or negative. We will read them on the podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at the GameCube pod. Share us with your friends, family, and pets. Tell Neil tell your dog neil says hi we are the number one gamecube podcast on the internet thank you so much for your support and we will see you next week see you later bye